All right, good morning. It is a Tuesday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. Sorry about that. We were, uh, for some reason, running a little bit slow on getting the show up on YouTube and wanted to make sure we got that figured out before we started. I am Glenn Clark. He is Griffin. We are here for the next couple of hours. Or actually, uh, today, we don't even get that much. They boot us out of here. Get just picked up by the back of our shirt and tossed right out to make way for those jerks on Simply the Bets. Simply Bets every Tuesday morning, 11.40 a.m. Weekend at Bookies every Thursday morning at 11.40 a.m. Brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. That's coming up a little bit later on. Simply the Bets. This morning, 11.40, really 11.40-ish is when you'll be able to enjoy Simply the Bets this morning. Uh, here's what's coming up on the program today. We are scheduled to be joined by Jackson Holiday. Uh, yes, the son of Matt Holiday, shortstop out in Oklahoma, and he might very well be the Orioles' number one overall pick. It's sort of it, it seems like the more folks I've talked to, the belief is Drew Jones is the number one guy, but there is more discrepancy between Drew Jones and Jackson Holiday than I think there was a couple of weeks ago as far as who the top prospect is or if there's separation between where is the separation, right? Is it Drew Jones, then everybody else? Is it Drew Jones, Jackson Holiday, then everybody else? A lot of varying opinions to be had, but we are scheduled to chat with Jackson Holiday, who might very well be the guy the Orioles take with that number one overall pick. Uh, also coming up this morning, we're going to talk uh, some Ravens with Jeffrey Chidia of NFL Network, NFL.com. He just wrote a lengthy piece kind of in reaction to what uh, Willie Sneed said recently about uh, Greg Roman. He wrote a response about what the Ravens are doing and why they're building an offense that doesn't require veteran receivers. We'll let him sort of explain that, his thoughts and um, Matt Kremnitzer from Pressbox, who, of course, covers the Orioles. We're going to talk to him. I'm particularly interested in chatting about the conversation we had yesterday about trade pieces and specifically like the bullpen guys who should be available, who shouldn't, as you try to move towards uh, competitiveness in the next year or so. So we will uh, put that out there for Matt Kremnitzer here in a few minutes. That's what's coming up on the program today. Orioles uh, off last night. Obviously, they open up a two-game set with the Washington Nationals tonight. I, I think we're over trying to pretend like these games mean something more than other games. I guess if you're a Nationals fan who kind of grew up rooting for the Orioles and haven't been able to get over that, and I certainly understand that. Like You might be a Nationals fan now, but you still sort of have love for the Orioles from when you were a child and you've been able to make peace with it because, like, hey, it's sort of like I have a an NL team and then an AL team, something like that. And these games probably mean a little bit to you. But for the rest of us, I I know we've pretended for a very long time, hey, these cities are close to each other and, hey, they share a regional sports network and so this is a thing, right? I. I think we're over that. I think we are. I, I know that there are still people that still try to pretend like it's some sort of thing. There's obviously no rivalry whatsoever between the teams. I, I guess there's a rivalry. No rivalry because the Orioles always dominate the Nets. Ah, there's that. Um, I, I know there will always be a Baltimore-D.C. thing, and, and I've, I've stopped harping about it over the years. 
but it'll always exist to me. There will always be the moments where I'm frustrated that people try to convince me that DC matters to people in Baltimore, that growing up, there was uh, the NFL wanted me to be a Washington Redskins fan and wanted me to watch those games and care and have some sort of connection to that team um, or that I would, when I was a kid, I would find out that my favorite band was coming to town to play, and I'd be like, wow, that's exciting. Where's it going to be? And they'd be like, at Jiffy Lube Live. Nissan Pavilion, actually, when I was a kid. Um, and, like, that'll never, those things die hard, right? Like, I, it'll never not bother me. There's there's awkward moments. Like, we were trying to to work together to get the World Cup. Didn't work out. We realize that we both share the University of Maryland being between the two cities. There's things like that, but for the most part, and obviously there's a, there's a handful of people in Baltimore who like the Washington Capitals for whatever reason, and that's their, you know, I don't, I'm over that. If you, if one of the people that like the Washington Capitals, bless you. God, I, I don't understand what the connection is, but hey man, I, I like the Phoenix Suns. A lot of people like, teams from other cities particularly in the leagues where we don't have a team here whatever you're into you're into it's not my thing i don't i'm not gonna be a i'll never be a washington wizards fan or a washington capitals fan but if you are hey barrow marketplace the whole thing i just don't i don't get worked up i haven't gotten worked up it was cool at the beginning because I remember thinking, like, well, we could go down and watch the Orioles at another ballpark. That's kind of neat, but I'm just at the age where I won't be doing that anymore. So like, there won't be a day where I'm like, you know what sounds swell? Driving to Washington, D.C. to watch a baseball game today. But once upon a time, I was in. Like, once upon a time when I had no kids or I had more time and, you know, if I was young, if I was Griffin's age, like, there might very well be a case that I would wake up on a Sunday morning and be like, ah, hell, there's an afternoon game between the Orioles and Nationals in D.C. today. I'll drive down there. I did that with my buddy Sam Angel uh, years back. It was like, eh, what, what else are we doing? We'll just go down, watch a baseball game in D.C. That's the way it'll go. Yeah, my brother and I love doing that. We went to a Pirates game a couple weeks ago. We were like, Why? that? Now, that I don't understand at all. We, my brother likes driving. He doesn't mind driving. He doesn't mind driving uh, far distances. So we were like, hey. But you know, uh, like, neither are, of us were doing anything. You he know there are baseball work. games in Baltimore, right? <laughs> I didn't have class. Like, you don't we have like, to go to D.C. It was to Dollar Dog Night game. at PNC Park. We were like, all right. Oh, you went to you went to Pittsburgh. I thought you meant you went to, to DC to see, but no, no, no. We went. This to is even Pittsburgh. more confusing. You just chose to drive to to Pittsburgh. You know the gas that you paid definitely it was, canceled it was like, out. It was actually the dollar was hot dogs, so it was a little bit cheaper. Gas was slightly. It did cheaper. not make a difference in whether or not the hot dogs were worth it. It was a fun game. Uh, maybe it was. Who did they play? Um, who did they play? The Pirates played. I can't remember. Okay, was there a giveaway <laughs> of some sort? Was there? No, a, it was Dollar Dog Night. And we were neither of us were doing you're, anything, you're and we look, were like, "I need you to know, I love Dollar Dog <laughs> Night more than just about any promotion in all of sports." But to get me to drive to Pittsburgh, you go ahead and just drive to Kansas City. I bet they have hot dogs too. Was there? Was it? You don't remember who they were playing? against? I can't remember who they were playing. Like if you told me something like, "Oh, there is this unbelievable pitching," it, there wasn't. Matchup. It wasn't. It wasn't at all. We were. I didn't have class. My brother didn't work, and we were very bored. And we were like, "Hey, pirates are home." Had you ever been to the stadium in Pittsburgh? We've been before? there. We've been there oh, once when I, we were got, a little I bit got, younger. I got nothing. I got nothing, man. <laughs> I got nothing for that. Hey, whatever, whatever. You're young. Do whatever you want to do. I get it. Oh, I they played the Nats. Young. They played the Nats. <laughs> <laughs> the 
just give up. Ben, just, ben Gamble had a I good just, game, I remember. Oh, sure, yeah. <laughs> I just give up. I just, I got nothing to say. But the, the, the point being, again, when I was young, I was like, hey, you know, I could go watch the Orioles play somewhere else. That's cool. But I... I think I did that in Philly a couple times. It will not happen. The, the likelihood is it will never happen again in my life. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying it's impossible. I was working in D.C. for a little while, so that was convenient. When I was working in D.C., I was like, maybe I'll just stop in and watch game if the Orioles happen to be in town. But otherwise, I just don't get I know. I know we spent like three minutes on this, but that's because Griffin derailed me by talking about just driving to Pittsburgh to watch baseball games for no reason. Um, Beautiful park up in PNC. It's just... It is. I agree. It's a lovely ballpark. It was very, the bridge, but like I've like, seen it. I've been to a game. I'm good. I don't need to just go back for no reason. They were doing construction on the bridge, so it was like all covered up too. So it kind of that also kind of took really away. Trying to put over. <laughs> You're really trying to put over driving to Pittsburgh to just watch a random baseball game on a Tuesday night. Hey, bud. Whatever. Whatever you got going on. You do your thing, man. You do your thing. Does not impact me whatsoever. I don't regret. It's like people rooting for the Washington Capitals. You do you, babe. You do you. I don't get it. You do you. I have a lot of things that I do that other people don't understand. You do you, man. Like that's the live and live and let live. That's the that's the way that I like to, to go about doing things. Uh, we don't. For, well, I don't know why. Is there a reason why we don't know who's starting for the Orioles tonight? Is that because they maybe they're waiting to see if Jordan Lyles is okay, and then if he is, he'll get the start since they skipped him on Sunday because he had diarrhea or whatever. I mean, I don't. I'm not. I don't know what was going on with Jordan Lyles, but I just feel like anymore we just always assume everything is diarrhea. Ever since Lamar Jackson ran back to the bathroom in the Cleveland game a couple years ago, we just kind of work under that assumption. Um, I don't know if that's the, that might very well be the reason why they they've waited to announce whoever's starting tonight for the Birds against Eric Fetty and the Nationals. Um, Stanley Cup final certainly got interesting last night and given that we don't have a lot of major sporting events kind of left for the summer boy we could really use a world cup this summer super glad they decided to play that in November when we have everything else going on okay sorry need to get centered again there was no need. There was no need for such an outburst. No, I think it's warranted. I, it makes no sense at all. <sighs> Wimbledon's it's Wimbledon's going to end, and we're all just going to sit around holding our... I mean, we'll have to, I guess around here we'll care about the MLB draft. Then we're just going to sit around holding our pud. Training for, camp for will be soon before weeks. we know it. You That's know. not a thing. For <laughs> six weeks, seven weeks, whatever it is until week zero of college football season. Desperate for any sort of event. For anything that feels like it matters to feel alive. God, but nah, it's cool. We'll just play the World Cup in November because everyone knows we've got to get to Qatar. Fine organization. Boy, they showed us, not picking us, huh? Anyway, um, because we're at a time of the year where there are fewer and fewer major events... It is nice that the idea that maybe the Stanley Cup might drag out a little bit longer, perhaps give us a couple more games to be interested in. Not that last night ended up being, you know, all that tense as the Lightning pulled away for a 6-2 victory. Though early on, it looked like the Avalanche, it looked like they had scored a goal five minutes in, and I was like, oh, God, they're, they're just going to roll. And then a review and an offside took it off the board. And the... Uh, the Lightning, the two-time defending Stanley Cup champions, end up showing signs of life. 
Uh, Vasilevsky obviously, obviously played quite a bit better than he had played in the two games in Colorado. And it was interesting, you know, if you watched, and, and I think most of you watched Charles Barkley. I'm not sure that you watched anything else. Um, it was interesting if you watched. I thought there were a lot of really relevant points made about the difficulty of playing in Colorado. Now, that doesn't answer why game one was a one-goal overtime game and game two was 7-0, but it is interesting that perhaps that impacted the Lightning a bit. Now, they're going to have to win a game in Colorado if they want to win the series. That's the way it goes. Um it's Colorado's got home ice, and so you're going to have to win one in Denver at some point if you want to hoist Stanley Cup for a third consecutive. I guess again, yeah, third consecutive year. I'm trying to do my math on how the, this works. They did they did hoist the first one in 2020. They just did it in like September or whenever it was. They actually played the Stanley Cup final at that point in front of nobody. Um, but if you want to hoist the cup for a third straight time, you're going to have to win a game in Denver at some point. Um, they did this, obviously, as we mentioned, just a series ago where they fell behind 2-0 against the Rangers, came back and raced off four straight wins in order to win the East, and they are battle-tested. They have certainly are not going to be overwhelmed um, by anything that gets thrown at them. They get a win last night, so that's now 2-1. Game four will be on Wednesday in the Stanley Cup final. I think... That's just about what it was that uh, I felt like I needed to cover here, other than Griffin and and just running all over the world in order to watch baseball games, which I got to be honest with you, I didn't know I needed to cover at the top of today's show. I wasn't aware that that was a topic. Oh, I've, the the big news this morning, Brooks Kepka is now also leaving the PGA Tour to join the Live Golf Tour. Look, uh, Brooks Kepka is a polarizing figure, and... This is this is the wrong place for me because, as you know, I don't care. It's not going to impact me in any way, whether Brooks Kepka plays golf for the Saudis or plays golf on the PGA Tour. It's not going to concern me one bit. He is a four-time major champion. He is a legitimate, viable star within the context of golf. I mean, the average human being on the face of the planet has no clue who Brooks Kepka is. But within golf... And to a lesser extent within sports as a whole, the average sports fan has probably at least heard of Brooks Kepka's name because he's won four major titles. Does he move the needle for the average sports fan? No, but there are so few golfers that do at this point. That's sort of the weird place that golf is in where, like, if you're really into golf, these people matter. If you're not really into golf, very few of them do. Phil still matters because he's Phil Mickelson. Tiger, of course, will always matter. Rory McIlroy kind of matters. He's become a a persona, a figure that goes beyond golf. Jordan Spieth, eh, a little bit, like not much more than that. And there ain't that many more. There's almost none. Bryson DeChambeau kind of mattered, at least for a second, because everybody was booing him, and it, you know there was this conversation about him muscling up, and you know whether it was good or bad for golf, and 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 his shenanigans and the whole thing. But it was mild. 
uh, it was way more within golf, within the golf community. If you care deeply and passionately about golf, you probably have a lot of um, takes about Brooks Kepka and going to the Live Tour. For the average person, meh, meh. And it's one of the problems for this conversation is that the average sports fan that isn't a hardcore golf fan might not be willing to join you on the outrage train simply because they don't care. Their interest in golf is Tiger Woods, the Masters, maybe the other major championships. Maybe. That's it. And if all these dudes are going to play in the major championships and none of them are Tiger Woods, then the average person probably has more of a who cares where they play. Now, you might be able to pin them down and get them to be interested by saying, well, you know, but this other place is funded by the Saudis. Oh, that doesn't sound good. I don't like that. But to try to get somebody worked up about it, that's not a hardcore golf fan. That's not super into golf week in and week out. And I know there are a lot of you. I understand that. I don't know how many of you come here because I'm not. Um, but I get it. There are a lot of you that are hardcore golf fans. But it would be a, akin to try to for me to try to get a lot of people worked up about Casper Rude or Matteo Berrettini, who's extraordinarily handsome, and I think he has a shot at winning Wimbledon. Or... Even Carlos Alcaraz at this point, who might be the best tennis player on the face of the planet. I just can't get you to care. I, I couldn't. I, I'm not trying to get you to care. I get it. You have to care about the sport passionately in order to care about these things. And it's the same thing I would say. In order to care about Brooks Kepka leaving for the Live Golf Tour, you have to care deeply about golf. Because he's not transcendent in any way. He's a golfer. A good one. A good one, and golf people are interested in him. But that's what he is. He's a golfer. And unless you're hardcore, deeply into golf, you're just not all that worked up about Brooks Kepka and where it is that he's going to choose to play golf. I'll still stand. It's the same things I said before. I think this is horrible. And you can try to what about it all you want and give me every possible take that you have about you know, I had a buddy who was doing this with me the other night. Well, yeah, but we get we get you know oil from Saudi. You can do all the whataboutism that you want. At the end of the day, you are being used as a pawn to try to whitewash terror and murder from a horrendous regime. And you're not going to get me to ever say, that's ah, okay. Do I care? No, because I'm not going to watch any of it. I'm not going to watch the Travelers Championship. I'm not going to watch the thing they're doing out in Portland. It ain't for me, Jack. But yes or no, right or wrong, I mean, I, I don't think there's a lot of gray area there. I think it's embarrassing for for anyone to say, well, God, gee, gosh, golly, I just got to have all this money. I don't care where where it comes from. I don't care at all what my purpose is if I'm being used as a pawn. I, I just got to have that money. I think you should be embarrassed by that, no matter who you are. I don't know that anybody cares about what I think. Let's get back to baseball. Let's get back to the Orioles. As I mentioned, they open up a two-game set with the Nationals tonight. I want to talk a little bit about that. I want to talk a lot about um, 
who should be available, who shouldn't. Let's have that conversation. Joining us now, Orioles writer for Pressbox. He's our friend Matt Kremnitzer, and he's with us here on GCR. Matt, it's Glenn. It's good to chat with you, man. Thank you for taking the time for us. Hey, no problem. Good morning. So, Matt, we got into this conversation yesterday, and I don't even remember where I saw it start. Um, I know our buddy Paul Valley was was going hardcore about it. I'm I'm in this really interesting place where I'm not sure what the answer is for the Orioles and the trade deadline specific to these back end bullpen arms that have they have all kind of come in completely off the radar this year to form a really solid back end of the bullpen. And a lot of people would say easily, hey, these are all guys you should be looking to move at the deadline and get something for, with the flip side argument being, hey, if you think you're moving towards something that resembles contention in the next year or two, why is it that you're racing to give up pieces that could help you in that process? And I don't know what the right answer is to any of that. Yeah, I agree. I, I guess most of the conversation is around, you know, what to do with Lopez. Um, the bullpen, like you mentioned, as a whole has, has been excellent. Um, they have a number of arms where, you know, going into the, the season, you, you didn't know if the bullpen would be good at all. Right. And they've been really, really good. So, uh, you know, with a guy like Lopez, I think he's in his first year of arbitration. So maybe you're thinking, you know, this isn't, this probably isn't a, you know, maybe he's not a sub one ERA guy, you know, maybe you can get something for him, but it, it really comes down to the price, you know, like if a team is willing to give up a crazy amount, you know, fine, but you don't have to just give these guys away. I mean, they're, they're to the point where the, you know, the, 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 farm, the farm system is getting better. You know, you have some of these high level guys, if, if a team overwhelms you with something fine, but I mean, you don't just have to give these guys away. I guess the thought would be specific when we talk about guys like Lopez, do we know that this is something that's going to last more than a season or even more than half a season, right? Like has it, the, the idea of bullpen arms being successful for multiple years is just so bloody fickle at this point, Matt, right? Like who knows? Do we have any feel for whether or not it, you might just be best off saying, hey, take whatever you can get because there's absolutely a possibility that Jorge Lopez isn't really this guy by the time we get to April of 2023? Right, yeah, that, that's a good point. Um, you, you don't really know. I mean, you didn't think he'd be this good so far, so you're trying to predict, you know, later this season, next season, is he a, you know, a legitimate closing option? Um, maybe. But he's helping the team now. Um, the team's fun to watch. I mean, I think I think there's something to be said for, you know, not not just giving away guys who are good because you think you could get something for them. I, I think it's it's okay to try to build something right now and not just you know focus on the guys who are the future. If there are guys who can help them right now, help them succeed, help them get some wins. I, I think that's helpful, even if they're not you know, someone who's going to be on the team in three or four years. Matt Kremnitzer is with us here on Glenn Clark Radio. Matt, I feel like there's another thought that is, hey, look, you know, again, even if it's not overwhelming, but you can get something for a guy like Lopez, don't you believe that if you can, if you could find Lopez, you could just find someone else? And as we mentioned, it ain't just Lopez. There's a lot of arms right now in this bullpen that have been outstanding in high-leverage situations. Is there not an argument to be made that you can just take one of these other guys and make them your closer in 2023? There is, but, and yet, you know, the last couple of years, you know, even when Elias was here, the bullpens weren't that good. That's so, fair. you know, where, where were those guys that they could have, you know, put together and, you know, make something out of nothing and, and put together a decent bullpen. They didn't have those guys. 
And for whatever reason, it seems like they have three or four of them right now. I, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just guys being in the program under Chris Hold and Elias for, for a few years, and maybe things are starting to click. I, I'm not really sure. Um, you're also starting to get to the point where some of the younger prospects, even if they're not starting pitching, you know, there, there's some interesting relief arms too. So maybe you think, you know, you get, get rid of Lopez, someone can just step in and take his place. It sounds great. Um, I, you know, I'm, I wouldn't be in a hurry to move him. I, I, I you know, I, I don't know what you define as, you know, get something for him. I, I don't know what that means, right, but right. It, maybe it, it, it's something you define to be useful. Um, it, it sounds good in theory, but it doesn't always happen that way. Uh, and I think the easiest way, like, and this is essentially what I came around to when I said it, Matt, is yes, if you get overwhelmed for Jorge Lopez, let's do it, right? And like, that's where I kind of am. Um, I'm, I don't have to trade him. But there's no world in which if I if I get overwhelmed, I don't trade him. I think it just sort of comes down to what you believe overwhelmed is. And somebody would say, well, it's a package of multiple prospects. I don't know if I get offered one really good prospect for Jorge Lopez for found money for something that I didn't believe was a thing just a couple of months ago, and I can turn that into a legitimate quality, I believe this guy is a future Major League Impact player of some sort, that to me might define... Um, getting overwhelmed because there was just no world in which we thought that was a possibility coming into the season. Right. And, you know, it's, it's also important to know that fans are probably going to get mad either way. I mean, right. before the season, you know, people were mad about giving up Cole Solcer and Tanner Scott, ah, that's which right. you, would, you would not put on the level as what Jorge Lopez is doing right now. So, you know, if the Orioles are able to get a, you know, a, a draft pick from another team, I mean, you know, Seems far fetched, but you never know. I mean, I, I'm sure I'm sure they would pull a trigger on something like that. He is Matt Kremitzer. He's with us here on GCR. Matt, it's all within this like sort of it's this awkward situation we find ourselves in, where we believe that the Orioles have made enough progress this season to say, hey, next year is the year where wins and losses should start to matter. But yet, at the same time, it's really hard to fathom how this group makes the jump from just being more competitive than we expected to being someone who's ready to threaten in the most difficult division in all of baseball. And I'm gauging these things are really difficult for me because I think it's fair to say, Hey, like a year from now, this feels like a team that should be ready to flirt with 500, if not better than that. But if they're not going out and spending money on pitching this off season, I don't know if it's still fair to say that next year is a year that we can expect them to make some actual noise. I agree completely. Um, I, I was hoping that they would have spent more money on the team this, this past off season. I 100% agree that they need to do it uh, this next off season. It does seem like the biggest um, hole is is starting pitching, um, not having John Means and you know potentially Grayson Rodriguez right. on on the team right now is is a huge uh, issue. And and somehow they're piecing things together. Uh, I don't know if they're going to be able to keep doing that. But even even with other guys waiting in the wings and with the struggles of Bradish and Zimmerman, uh, it, it really seems like they need to add at least one, you know, uh, someone who's better than Jordan Lyle. Right. Uh, let's just say. Right. Um, I, they, I, they really. I made the yeah, comparison to like the, the what you thought you were getting in Ubaldo Jimenez when you signed him, right? Yeah. Like what you thought right. you were getting in Alex Cobb when you signed him, like that. At least that. And I know that you don't want. Bringing those guys up is difficult because for the most part, outside of the one season uh, with Ibaldo Jimenez, they didn't pan out. But we all knew what we believed the Orioles were getting in that type of pitcher, which wasn't the, the $150 million guy, but the guy we thought was a qualified major league pitcher. Right. And if you take them at their word that you know one of the reasons why they moved the left field wall back was to attract 
you know, potential free agent starting pitching, then, you know, go ahead and actually do that. Let's, right. let's you know, put some money where your mouth is. Uh, yes, completely on board. I, I really think it takes it. Your, your point, it's one that we brought up a lot. I, it might very well be that both John Means and Grayson Rodriguez can be quality, I mean, high-level major league starters in 2023. But there's simply no way for me to be able to have confidence in that going into next year. So banking on, you know, hopes, dreams, and vibes doesn't seem like a great direction for a franchise to go. Right, yeah, definitely give give those guys some help. You can't 100% rely on, you know, especially Means recovering, uh, you know, to, to his full capacity next year. You really need to add a, a competent starter, uh, you know, like I said, spend some money, let, let's see what you guys can do, and, and add to this young core, at, at, you know, give them some starting pitching help. Uh, he is Matt Kramnitzer. He's with us here on GCR. Uh, Matt, where are you on the Mancini conversation at this point? Are you uh, like sort of accepting that it, it's a fait accompli that he's going to be dealt in the next month, and you know whoever is willing to give up anything is going to get him? Do you think it still matters what you can get back? I've made tried to make the argument in the last couple of weeks. I, I just think it flatly makes if you what you're worried about is blocking Kyle Stowers. Why wouldn't Santander be the guy that you're looking to move, who probably has a bit more value based on the fact that he actually plays a position? and then maybe look for Trey Mancini to be a guy that can be a veteran leader for a young group for the next three to four years, if possible. Yeah, that's, that's a fair point. Um, I'm at just the acceptance phase. It just doesn't seem like he's going to come back, even though everyone loves Trey Mancini. Everyone loves what, you know, he's one of the best hitters on the team. What he's done uh, is amazing. Um, but it, it doesn't seem like they love having someone in that DH spot. They like to give these guys rest and kind of rotate them around. So sometimes they kind of have to do the awkward thing of, of fitting Mancini into right field, and it's just not a good fit. Um, it, it's actually pretty rough to, to watch him when he's when he's in right field and not at first base. Yep. So um, it, it would be nice if they could try to figure something out. But you know, as long as Mountcastle's there playing first base, it just doesn't seem like they're going to want to spend the money to have him primarily be the DH. I get it. I get it. And I think you're probably, unfortunately, I think you're right. I just don't, it doesn't feel like it's necessary. It doesn't feel like you have to do it that way. It feels like, you know, having, having a veteran leader around, there is value to that. And by the way, he's a pretty good hitter and there's just going to be, I just feel like there's going to be a limit to what you can get back, man. It just, man, I, I genuinely believe that every organization feels like they've already got their Trey Mancini within, within their own system. Yeah, I, I can't argue with that. I, I'm not going to argue against Trey Mancini. Um, maybe it would make a little bit more sense if someone like Adley Rushman wasn't a catcher and you didn't want to keep his bat in the lineup as much as possible. Yeah, I hear you. Um, I you hear know, you. To fit him in, in DH. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I, it certainly takes up at bats, right? Like you know, on the days where Adley's not catching, where where do the at bats come from? And and if you got to pay somebody eight to ten million dollars a year to keep him around, you want to have him in the lineup. It's a yeah, it's a it's a it's a frustrating, tricky thing. Um, where are you with Jorge Mateo versus the middle infielders, the the Hendersons and the Westbergs that are suddenly um, very close to being here? I I don't know. There's so much to like about Jorge Mateo. Are there spots for all of these guys? Is one of these guys really a third baseman? And there's spots for all three of them moving forward. Yeah, I don't know if, if Henderson is going to fit at shortstop or third base. It's, it's a great problem to have, especially since it seems like Westberg can kind of fit in at, at all those two spots and then second base as well. Um, it's, a, it's something that's going to work itself out. Uh, I kind of view Mateo as maybe like a super utility guy because while his range has been fantastic at shortstop, he's not a very good hitter, um, and that's okay. 
but he can also fit in other spots too. Like he, he has the defense, he has the speed, like he's a great uh, late game option on the basis. Um, he's someone who's, who's really good to have around. I don't know if you want him, it, I guess more his bat in the lineup every day, but he's been fun to watch. He's an exciting player and, you know, I, I think they'll find a spot for him, even if he's not a starting shortstop. All right. Anything else? What What else? Like, what to you is most interesting? Again, I get outside of the the general concept of they're winning more games than we expected them to win, and there's clear progress in that front. But what to you is most interesting about the next couple of months? Knowing that as exciting that as that is, it's not going to lead them almost certainly to being contending for something before the season is over. I just like to see them compete on a night-to-night basis. Um, you, you know, where they're getting down five, six runs, and, and they're coming back. I mean, I, I think that's encouraging. Um, it seems like they're building this uh, just really positive attitude where they, they feel like they're never out of it. And even if some of the names change, you know, that, that attitude doesn't necessarily have to change. Um, it, it just makes it more fun to tune in on a night-to-night basis and, and watch a team where – Maybe they're struggling for a couple innings, but it's it's not over. Um, you know, three four years. You know, the last three four years we've seen where early in the game they had a, a they, they have a bad first or second yeah. inning and things snowball and it just gets ugly and you you know where things are going. That's not really the case right now. So just that that whole attitude. Um, and I know they have other guys who are coming up and they hopefully you know they're, they're building that same mindset. But just just the attitude of competing, um, I think, is is really positive and it's it's fun to watch. At Matt Kremnitzer on Twitter is how you give him a follow. Matt, appreciate it, man. Thanks for taking a couple of minutes for us. No problem. Thank you. Matt Kremnitzer checking in with us here on GCR. Appreciate him doing that. Um, Yeah, I mean, the best way I can say it is, I, yes, I'm not in a rush. I don't need to trade Jorge Lopez, but I'm also not afraid of trading Jorge Lopez is the way that I would probably say it. I'm, I'm not... I don't think it would be a disaster if you do. I think you have this really interesting situation where you're talking about found money. And then as much as we want next year to matter, and and again, in context it will, but I don't know that it's fair to say that matter means playoffs are bust. I think next year mattering might mean stepping over 500 and being or being around 500 being in the conversation which somebody would say hey well since Adley Rutschman's arrived you've been 500 yeah i i get that but it's still tough not impossible by any stretch of the imagination but difficult to fathom this group holding up to really be a to look at the end of the year and say boy since the day that Adley Rutschman arrived they were a 500 baseball team particularly because you're almost certainly going to trade Jordan Lyles and you're not getting a boost from Grayson Rodriguez. Maybe you get a boost from D.L. Hall at some point. Maybe. But there's likely to be some struggles there. It's going to be hard to hold up as that type of team. So next year mattering might be just taking that next step. So are you holding on to what could be a, a quality trade chip in the hopes that he's the difference in you winning 84 games next year or 80? I want next year to be a year where the Orioles are contending to do something. I'm concerned, as I've said about the lawsuit, 
that the money might not be there to spend on pitching. It's a conversation for a different day, I probably. And if that's the case, I don't know if it's realistic for them to contend playoffs-wise. There's got to be more pitching. There has to be. And while a healthy John Means and a healthy Grayson Rodriguez could help solve that, banking on that is not something I'm willing to do. And yes, D.L. Hall might be ready to be that guy too. It might very well be they end up having three quality internal starting pitchers next year. But we're doing that on, you know, again, hopes, dreams, and vibes right now. Legitimately, what you can bank on, nothing. So the decision that you make on Jorge Lopez is calculated to say, hey, why not hold him to try to compete with next year? We're squeezing on the word compete. Compete for what? And what's the margin? Because that margin can be made up by what you might be able to get for Jorge Lopez. Which isn't me saying, go trade Jorge Lopez. It's me saying, I I think if you can get something that's real, you you should probably end up trading Jorge Lopez. But it's got to be real. And I can't define that. I'm not smart enough. But they are. And if they find even one legitimate real thing prospect that immediately becomes like a top six guy in their organization by trading Jorge Lopez that's a steal of the century imagine uttering that sentence before the season it would be insane I can't say that would be bad Because I don't think the margins that we're talking about are so significant. I don't believe this is a team that's a World Series contender next year. I think we got a a lot of things would have to go right in order for them to be in that conversation two years from now. I don't think we're being legitimate. I think we need to see Adley Rutschman become a star. The pitchers work out. The Orioles show a willingness to fill the gaps Gunnar Henderson gets here and continues to be that guy I think there's a lot of things that still have to work in order to try to buy into the idea that there's a future World Series contender here because if that were the case no you don't trade Jorge Lopez no matter what but right now it's within the margins you can get a viable legitimate prospect in exchange for Jorge Lopez I I gotta do that I gotta. Because we're still not quite there yet. And I'm not so convinced that Jorge Lopez is a transcendent rock star, legit closer type for five years to come. But doing it for the sake of doing it, I don't need to do that either. And I think that's the the big the better way of stating this. I don't have to trade Jorge Lopez just because other teams would be interested in him and we're not good this year. You had to trade Manny Machado when you traded him. You weren't good. Other teams wanted him. Didn't work out. I mean, again, we're still hopeful that Ryland Bannon, Dean Kramer can become things, and you liked what Dean Kramer did on Friday night. 
I think we've. I mean, you're you're still praying that using the LDS. I, we're, my God, we're nearly five years in at this point. Jesus Christ. But you had to do that. You don't have to do this. As Matt Kremnitz points out, you've got two more years of team control. You don't have to do this. But you can do it. You have the option of doing it if the right scenario presents itself. Today's show is also brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. Make the most out of every day in a Toyota RAV4 available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. We are scheduled to chat with Jackson Holiday coming up in just a bit. Also this morning, Jeffrey Chidea from NFL Network and NFL.com. That's all still to come here on Glenn Clark Radio. Come in for Glory Burgers, Glory Wings. There's glory for everyone at Glory Days Grill. Enjoy our award-winning burgers, ribs, and wings. Or try our fresh salads, hand-cut salmon, or our scrumptious sandwiches. Yum! Come in for our daily specials every weekday, like $7.99 burgers on Mondays and $6.99 nachos on Thursdays. Dine in and let us serve you, or order online at glorydaysgrill.com and take it home. Visit us at glorydaysgrill.com for a location near you Glory Days Grill, great food, good sports. Are you ready, soccer fans? This summer, the English Premier League returns to Baltimore. Arsenal, Everton, square off in the Charmed City match, July 16th, under the lights at M&T Bank Stadium, home of the Baltimore Ravens. This is your only opportunity to take in a Premier League match this summer in the Mid-Atlantic region. Individual and group tickets are on sale at BaltimoreRavens.com. The latest edition of PressBox is available now, and it's our very first Salute to Coaches issue. On the cover, we recognize Ravens coach John Harbaugh ahead of his 15th season. Also inside, find tributes to Navy football coach Ken Niamatololo, UMBC soccer coach Pete Karinji, Maryland soccer coach Sasha Sorovsky, and field hockey coach Missy Maharg, Mount St. Joe basketball coach Pat Clatchy, and Poly basketball coach Kendall Peace. We also honor recently retired Johns Hopkins lacrosse coach Janine Tucker and Calvert Hall baseball coach Lou Eckerl, the athletes who lives these coaches have impacted offering insights on what makes them special and why they've stood the test of time. Pressbox is available for free at over 500 area locations including 60 Royal Farm stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com That first sip That first bite Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Sports betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets every Tuesday morning at 1140. Fendel Sportsbook GM Leon Twyman and VEASAN's Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all of the info you need and offer you a few winners. And every other Thursday at 1140, tune in for Weekend at Bookies as Andrew Stecka and Alloy Sports Brad Cronthal help make you some money for the weekend. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Tuesday and Weekend at Bookies every other Thursday. 
brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. Watch at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. Don't forget that full episodes of the show are available for free on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, and YouTube. But warning, you get what you pay for. You're listening to Glenn Clark Radio. All right, back in here on GCR. Stan the Fan, Ross Grimsley, and Luke Jackson got together last night over on Facebook Live just to sort of do a little bit of a baseball roundtable. And if you missed that show, you can find it right now. Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports, PressBoxOnline.com slash video, or YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. Stan the Fan is working overtime this week because on Wednesday he's going to catch up with uh, Kyle Harrison, the uh, former Johns Hopkins and pro lacrosse star. He's got a new role within the PLL as uh, they get ready to come to Baltimore this weekend for games on Friday and Saturday night. So Stan's going to catch up with uh, Kyle Harrison on Wednesday and I believe Terry Hasseltine on a Thursday. So a busy week for Stan the fan. Um... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end up treading lightly on this, and you guys can be bothered by that all you want. I've had three different people now ask me if I was going to say anything, and a bunch of people were tagging me in this yesterday on Twitter. I, I don't... I'm not, ultimately, is the way that it goes. There's a segment that happened on a radio show in town yesterday that bothered a lot of people because it was about overrated Ravens. And... Apparently, the names that were being thrown around were were very hurtful to Ravens fans because they were very popular, well-liked players from throughout the franchise's history. I don't know why those hosts chose to do that segment. I don't... I have no idea. That's their business. But in the same way that I don't give any credence whatsoever to anything they do on the the Stephen A. Smith show or on the Skip Bayless Variety Hour, I'm not going to shine light on what appears to be a weirboard, let's try to do something that gets people riled up segment locally. If that's what you do if that's your brand, if that's your shtick. I'm not knocking anybody who does that. So I said a million times. It ain't for me. It's not going to be for me. And I think it's horrible for discourse. I've compared it to when the, the John Stewart went on Crossfire all those years ago and said, I don't think you're bad. I think you're hurting America. I, I don't, I find nothing of value in those in that type of content. I think doing lists is silly, and that's why I don't really like doing, you know, we do the 15, but I think you'll find most of it is tongue-in-cheek or more, you know, attempt to make a a history lesson or something like that within the press box print issue. And then we do, over the years, we've done silly definitive power ranking segments about dumb topics like soup and, and best chips, things along those lines. I, I don't I don't know why they did that. It's not my concern. But my point is when you guys dunk on it and shine more of a light on something like that, even to complain about it and whine about it, you're still elevating the content. 
And, and we still seem to be missing this point in 2022. Good and bad don't exist. It's why people can't understand the concept of going to play golf for Saudi Arabia and openly helping them whitewash the terrible things they've done would be bad because we don't know that there's a good and a bad. All we know anymore is engagement. If it gets engagement, it matters. If it doesn't, no matter how good it is, it doesn't matter. We're, we're kind of lost in a way because of that. We're lost because everything has got to get engagement. Good content, bad content, be damned. All content is content. The only good content is the stuff that people interact with, that they share, they put out there, that gets attention. That's the only good content there is. It doesn't matter if the content, if the art itself is a quality. You're amplifying it. If you don't like it, if you don't think it's good, if you don't think it's something that should exist, just just don't tune in. Don't share it. Don't talk about it. It's like what I said about the fake deadspin last week. Let it die. And I'm not saying that about this particular show. I mean, that these are guys that I like. I mean, I I don't I don't know why they did this. But I'm not going to give it more attention. It's not worthy of that. It's it's bad content. Now, they did it, and again, their job might very well be, and this is, I guess, awkward now because I work on the same radio station. It might very well be that the station said, hey, this is a downtime of the year. We need to do something that gets a little attention. Everybody who works in this business understands the difficulty of doing sports media. I was just talking a second ago about, but we could really use some big events. It'd be really nice to have a World Cup going on right now because the finals are over. In some markets, the NBA draft, the NBA offseason matter. In Baltimore, because we have no team, it doesn't matter. And this isn't an offseason where we think that like LeBron James, Kevin Durant, and six other you know, massive players are all going to change teams. When it's an offseason like that, when Kevin Durant is leaving Oklahoma City for Golden State, it doesn't matter what market you're in. Everybody's got an opinion about it. Everybody wants to talk about it. I, I guess Kyrie Irving is interesting, and so that will kind of be a topic that's a bit broad, but pales in comparison. It's a tough time to do sports media content. The trade deadline matters here. I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to talk about what decisions the Orioles should make about the pieces that they have. Because I think that's relevant. I think it matters. I'm going to talk about the PLL. We just put um, Logan Wisnowskis on yesterday. Because it's an event that's coming here. And there will be packed crowds at Homewood Field on Friday and Saturday night. It will be electric. And you might not be into lacrosse. That's cool. That's cool. I'm not in, as I just said, I'm not into golf. I'm not into all the things that you're into. But it's coming here and it matters. And the guy that just led Maryland to a national championship and won the Tawartan Award and was the best player in the world was on the show yesterday because that's interesting. Objectively. Might not be to you, 
because you're not into the sport. But broadly, best player in an entire sport coming back home to play professional professionally is interesting. Broadly. We're gonna do that. And we'll probably do some other segments. I just I reached out to the folks at PLO and said, I'm I'm happy to put a couple other guys on this week. And I think we're gonna do that. Because it's a big event happening in Baltimore. And I'm all for it. As I keep trying to tell you, you can whine and bitch and piss and moan about uh, no wonder the World Cup wouldn't come here. The try crime sucks. Great events are coming here. You're just an a-hole. And I know, because I wrote a column about it, and nobody read the column. And I watched all of the comments that came in on my column yesterday on Pressbox's Facebook page. And it was ev- it was the breathless, uh, I hate this politician and crime sucks and blah, 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 blah. I get it. I want to fix crime too. Name the place in the world where there's no crime. Name it. Now, in the meantime, I want to support major events in our city, and I want there to be more of them. And the PLL is going to bring huge crowds at a time when, tell me why else anybody would be at, at Homewood Field this weekend. It's not going to make the economic impact of the World Cup. But there will be people that will come in from Delaware and Pennsylvania and Virginia and West Virginia that are lacrosse fans that this is their chance to see high-level lacrosse. There will be tourism dollars. Yes, a lot of it will be internal. A lot of it will be the us who live here going there, which still helps the businesses in the area. But there will be folks that make a destination this weekend. So I, I'm going to talk about that. Whatever they do, they did, that's their business. I would just continue to encourage you to say, if this is not worthy of it, don't amplify it in any way. Amplify good content. Amplify fun interviews that you hear. Neat stories that are told. Engaging, relevant conversation. Solid, thought-out debate. Amplifying something because it thinks it allows you to score points because you're dunking on something only amplifies it and leads to more of it. We've done this to ourselves. The reason we get more Skip Bayless shows is because we're willing to participate in this exercise. Can you believe how stupid this is? Retweet. And we give engagement numbers because of it. I know I'm an old man yelling at a cloud. I understand that. I, I, I don't know who I'm doing it for. I, I, I really do. I get I'm at a loss. Um, but I just I feel like we can do better than this. All right. Uh, today's show also brought to you by your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. Love Glory Days Grill. God, I love Glory Days Grill. Glory Burgers, Glory Wings, Glory Ribs. There's glory for everyone at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. They got a new summer seasonal menu coming. It's not available yet, but it's on the way. And I am super excited to tell you about it as soon as it's available to you. I'm excited to try it myself. Be following. Be checking glorydaysgrill.com for the latest. Get your order in. Enjoy your next delicious meal at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. Really excited to uh, meet our next guest, as he might very well be the name that the Baltimore Orioles call with 1-1 in the 2022 MLB draft. He is a high school shortstop from Oklahoma, 
Um, you certainly watched his dad play. God, what a hell of a player he was over the years. It's a pleasure for us to welcome into the program Jackson Holiday, who's with us now here on GCR. Jackson, it's Glenn and Griffin. It's great to chat with you. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us. Yeah, thank you, guys. Hey, man, how exciting is life for you at the moment, right? Like, I can't only imagine what it's like to be a young man who's a hell of a baseball player knowing your life's about to change pretty dramatically, huh? It's been pretty pretty awesome experience so far. Um, right now I'm just traveling around watching my, my little brother do his thing, so uh, <laughs> it's been pretty fun. That, wait, that's So that's what your days are like at this point? Like you're kind of like non, nonplussed <laughs> about all these? You're like, I'm just going to watch my brother play baseball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's about it. We uh, we all travel as a family. So uh, we're down in, in Jupiter right now, training, trying to get stronger, and uh, just watching Ethan do his thing. That's awesome, man. That's really, really cool. Um, uh, Jackson, as we mentioned, obviously baseball's in your blood. Did, did you always know – that this is what you were going to want to do when you were watching your dad? Did you always have this type of passion for baseball to be how you made a career and, and made a life moving forward? Um, baseball has always been, always been my favorite sport, for sure. And uh, kind of growing up in it was definitely always something that, that I wanted to do and wanted to do for a long time. And um, I just I just really enjoy the sport. My whole entire family is, it's big in baseball, and, and we all we all enjoy it. Was there a moment for you where you realized just how good you were? Like that, it's not just a sport that you enjoyed, but like, oh, oh man, I really can do this. Like, there's no debate about it. I can be a high level player. Um, I wouldn't say there was a there was a moment, but uh, I've been doing it since since I could walk, and uh, <laughs> kind of always been my thing. And uh, yep, just. Once I got to high school and started to get stronger, it uh, it became more of a reality. Uh, I mean, that's it's it, it's cool to think about, like being a kid. What what's your favorite? Obviously, you were able to do things within baseball that not a lot of other people were able to do. Of course, we got you know clearly we've known Cal Ripken here for a long time. His father was in baseball for forever. Um, what was what was it like growing up around the sport? And and was there a relationship that you were able to create with you know one of your dad's teammates or even with your father himself that that meant something to you that drove you even more towards the sport as a whole? Um, I'd say just just being there almost every day. We we lived with my dad wherever he went, so uh, most of the season was in the summer. So I got to go to the field every day with him and uh, got to see all the players their work ethics and just how they got to the points that they were at. And, um, it's very, it's been very influential for me. And, um, I definitely take, take advantage of, of being raised in baseball and, um, all the benefits that, that I've gotten from, um, being in the clubhouse and, uh, just seeing what it takes to, to become a professional. And then like one thing that stands out for me was, uh, a few, Two years ago, about December, Nolan Arenado came and, and stayed with us. He's one of my dad's friends. Wow. So, uh, wow. He, uh, yeah, pretty neat. <laughs> yeah. That's an experience but, uh, not everybody gets. <laughs> no, definitely not. So uh, it was really neat. We were taking ground balls, and it's like raining, and he's making all the plays that you see. And I mean, he doesn't have to be there. He's, he's one of the best. So uh, it was it was really neat for me to see um, just how – how passionate he is about the game and, and uh, how serious he takes even ground balls and 
That's cool. And it's raining, so that was really neat. Well, and I think it's, I think it's cool too to see that it, that he cares so much, and I think that you know this. We're talking about Jackson Holiday, how well respected your father is and beloved within the game. That guys would be willing to do that and come spend time with you. I, I, I know he's your dad, and you're gonna love him no matter what. But like, it's it's got to be cool even in context to see how much other people within the sport care about him that they wanted to help you along the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really neat, and. Um... He knows what he's talking about, so a lot of those guys kind of lean on him for for hitting stuff, and uh, it's been really fun. Like Matt Carpenter came and, and stayed with us for a few days before uh, before the season, and needed some help in his swing. So uh, it's really neat for me for me to see and for to watch him teach. We all can always learn stuff from from each and every day. So. Uh, it's been really fun, really fun. Jackson, is it at all awkward these days? I, I don't know if everybody realizes, within your family, uh, you got an uncle who I'm sure would really like it if you didn't go play professionally uh, <laughs> moving forward. Is it is it at all tough at the moment sort of having these conversations? Because it's very clear, whether it's the Orioles at one or not, you're going to be drafted very high. Is there like a tough family battle that's going on at the moment to try to get you to come play college baseball? Oh. Uh, not that I know of. Okay. Josh is, uh, Josh is great. So, uh, he makes everything very easy. We have a, we have a great relationship and, uh, he just wants what's best. So, uh, it's been, that's awesome. It's been pretty great. It's got to make it a lot easier for you to go through this, knowing that you've got that oh, type yeah. of support. Oh yeah. A lot um, easier. Ja- Jackson, let's cut to the chase. Why are you the best player in the 2022 MLB draft? Um, I think I'm one of the better all-around players. I just I really enjoy pretty much every aspect of the game, and uh, I really enjoy competing. But um, I feel like I'm a very good defender. I really love playing defense, and uh, the rest of my game just kind of takes care of itself. But I enjoy playing, and uh, I always play hard. So uh, you can always count on me for hustling on and off the field and, and being a competitor. I know you're still very young right now. Are you convinced that are you are you confident that you are a major league shortstop specifically? Um, absolutely. I feel like for me, and my family, we we kind of go off. There's no plan B's. Yeah. So uh, I'm going into going into everything, wanting to be a shortstop and wanting to be a premier player. What is it? Is there a pressure that comes along? Like, I mean, the, the shortstop position is so difficult to play. At a, at a high level, right? You're asked to do so much. And then, by the way, you're expected to be a hitter, too, on top of it, right? Um, mm-hmm. Are you the type of person that likes that? That's the reason why you want to be a shortstop, is you like that type of pressure. You like being someone who so much is expected of? Um, absolutely. I like to be a, a, a big part of the game. And um, I feel like it's a premier position to be able to play. And. Uh, I always was. I always wanted to be the shortstop. I felt like the shortstop and the center fielder were the best players on the on the field, and uh, I really, I really always enjoyed infield. So uh, that's kind of where I stuck when I was little, and uh, as of now, I have the confidence to play it for for the rest of my career. What would it mean to you for it to be one? Knowing, look, you get drafted early, your life's going to change no matter what. But specifically for it to be one one, what would that mean to you? Um, it would mean it would mean a lot. It's a it's a great accomplishment, and uh, it would be a, a great organization. And I'm I'm looking forward to to the day. But uh, no matter what team it is, uh, um, I'm gonna be grateful. 
but uh, to be the first pick would would be very special. I, and I get that. I know we got, we got to be political because we don't know how this is going to work out. So <laughs> you can't say like, oh man, I really wanted to be Baltimore, and then suddenly everybody's like, hey, uh, it's Pittsburgh. Oh, we love them too. <laughs> I get how that goes. Um, when I, I referenced the name Cal Ripken earlier, you, you know how this is mm-hmm. going to go. If, if you're a shortstop that gets drafted number one by the Baltimore Orioles, inevitably you're going to be in a shadow. That's the way it's going to work. Even mm-hmm. even now, 20 years later, right, we're talking about this. Yep. Um, do, does that excite you? I, and it, I, Lord knows you weren't even alive when Cal Ripken was playing baseball. But does it mm-hmm. excite you knowing – that this this is the place where you know one of the greatest shortstops in the history of the game, you know, patrolled for two decades, and was the idea that you would sort of be kind of in that shadow. Would that be enticing to you? Um, it's definitely definitely a really neat to think about. And uh, he had an incredible career, and he's an incredible player. And um, it it would mean a lot. It would mean a lot to be able to play for for that organization. And um, it would be really neat. And he was he was awesome to watch, and uh, I actually played in this tournament a really long time ago. Oh yeah, I was twelve, and I won the MVP of it. So that would be that'd be pretty funny. W- w- did you play? If in that the, was the case. Did you play? Did, was it the world the Cal Ripken World Series here in, in Maryland? Did you mm-hmm. play in that? Oh my god! Uh, it wasn't in Maryland. Oh, okay, no, it okay, wasn't, but it was it was in Myrtle Beach. Yep, I wish it yep. was in Maryland. Sure, but. sure, sure, sure. I, I know the one you're talking. Ripken baseball is so you know like all encompassing at this point. Uh-huh. Right, yeah. um, they've done a lot of events. No, I was particularly excited because I used to broadcast that tournament. I was going to start. Go- oh, yeah. I was going to start f- frenetically looking over the years to figure out if I had called you playing baseball at 12 years old. Uh, that would have been even, even right? better. Wouldn't that be really neat? That would be unbelievably cool. Jackson, what's uh, Jackson Holiday? Just another minute or two with him here on GCR. What's something that maybe people don't know about you? Obviously, they know about your name and and who your dad is and your baseball skills. But what's something that, again, knowing you might very well be a very important person in this Orioles organization here within a month, what's maybe something people don't know about you that you feel like they should ahead of the MLB draft? Um, I like I like to carry myself to to very high standards as as a person. More than more than a player, and uh, I care about people, and I care about my faith, and um, I just I just enjoy people and getting to know people, and um, uh, I try to try to get along with everybody and, and make an impact more than more than on the field. But we like the sounds of that. Is there anything you mentioned? You're just getting to watch your brother play baseball right now, which is really cool. But have you been able to do other? Like, are there moments where you're able to just be a teenager right now? Like, are there? Do you get to play video games at all? Do you get to like hang out, shoot hoops? Any? Do you get to do any of that sort of stuff at the moment? Uh, oh yeah, oh yeah. That's uh, that was kind of the idea. We uh, we used to live in Jupiter for about eight years, so uh, to kind of come down here a little early, so we've been able to go to the beach and uh, be able to fish. I really, really enjoy fishing, so uh, we went out the other day and caught some caught some sailfish nice. in Oahu, so uh, I've gotten to be a kid. I've gotten to be a kid, and uh, uh, I've been able to, to work on my game and, and get a lot stronger in the past few weeks, too, so uh, a little bit of best of both worlds. Can you can you clean your own fish? Like, are you are you like an expert to that level that like you can you can do it all? You catch the fish, clean it, and and grill it up later that night. Unfortunately, uh, we moved the moved away from Jupiter a little bit before I got to that. Step, all right. So, uh, I bet if you gave me a week, I could figure it out. But, uh, I love that. Sounds like your competitive nature, right? Like, give oh, yeah. me give yeah, me a absolutely. chance, and I'm gonna gut this fish, <laughs> and I'm gonna make I've dinner. Watched it. 
I've watched it enough times where I'm pretty sure I could figure it out. All right, that's that's. Uh, we like the yeah. sounds of that. And then just give me like the the one you know we we talked a lot about you, the best piece of advice that you've gotten, whether it was your dad or anybody else. The the one mm-hmm. thing that you've carried with you through this process as you get ready for this clearly life changing moment. Um, something that, that my dad's friend he's the he's the OSU wrestler wrestling coach. So his pressure is a privilege. Yeah, and kind of uh, that's kind of what I've been. What I've been told and kind of my motto more recently is uh, pressure is a privilege. And obviously I'm doing something right if there's if there's some pressure, but um, you gotta got excel in it. And so, look, uh, pressure is a privilege. It, you know, as we talk about, there's, there's a lot of pressure that comes with 1-1, right? Like, we, we just, Adley Rutschman just arrived in Baltimore and, and everybody wants him to be Mike Piazzo's bat with uh, Pudge Rodriguez behind the plate, right? And if, he, if he's not, we're going to somehow be disappointed by that. You, you know... There's there's an incredible amount of pressure that comes with being one one, and you say, yeah, let's let's bring it on. I want that. It's, mm-hmm. it's pretty absolutely, and uh, you're obviously doing something right, and he's gonna have a great career, and uh, he's he's starting to figure it out. I've been watching him. Oh. Uh, I like to keep track of of all the rookies. I've been getting called up. I'm a big Bobby Witt fan, and uh, I, I've been I've been keeping track. He's a he's an exciting player and potential future teammates. That's the uh, mm-hmm. that's the other part of it. Uh, Jackson, oh, yeah. it's Jay Holiday twenty twenty two on Twitter. Correct is how Orioles fans can follow you. I believe so. Okay. I, I'm not hundred percent. You're kind of openly admitting you're not a big Twitter guy. <laughs> no, nah, not not a big Twitter guy. I think you guys got it right. I okay, think I got the the notification. And is it Jackson underscore Holiday seven on Instagram as well? Yeah, that that would be right. Awesome. Give him a follow in those places. Jackson, um, man, you know, a remarkable young man. We can't wait. If it, if it works out, we can't wait to get to know you better here in Baltimore in the coming years. However it works out for you, uh, best of luck to you. Again, as, as long as somehow you don't end up in, like, Boston or New York, which really couldn't happen in this draft. <laughs> so it, we're going to be good no matter what and wishing you mm-hmm. well. Thank you so much for taking the time for us this morning. We really Yeah, appreciate I appreciate it. it. Yeah, thank you, guys. Jackson Holiday, potential number one overall pick in the MLB draft, could very well be a centerpiece for the Baltimore Orioles for years to come. Appreciate him taking the time for us. Impressive young man. Um, you know, if if he really is a future Major League Baseball shortstop, if that's really the case, then it's hard to – I get it. A lot of people like Drew Jones. But if he's going to play shortstop – at a very high level for a very long time to come. And this is, I know we just kind of had this conversation about Bobby Witt a couple years ago. It's hard to pass on what could be a really, really central piece. Drew Jones is really thought of well, too. I I don't have the answer, right? I, I certainly don't spend enough time scouting and watching high school baseball to know all the intricate differences between Jackson Holiday and Drew Jones. Everybody I talk to seems to really like both of them. Really like both of them. We'll see how it plays out. We'll see. But really appreciate it. That was, uh, that was a lot of fun chatting with Jackson Holiday this morning here on GCR. Just not fair, though. You know, the way he gets to grow up. Oh, like, no just, doubt. Just hanging out with like, Matt Carpenter. Like, yeah, and Nolan Arenado came and stayed at the house for a little while. He just came and, and, and hung out with us. I would think that would benefit you as you try to – I know – he plays a different position than what it is that Jackson Holiday is looking to play. But, boy, he plays that position quite well. Awful lot to be learned from spending some time with Nolan Arenado. 
awful lot to be learned from hanging out, having Matt Carpenter stay at your house. And again, I'm, I'm sure that Drew Jones has similarly had a, a bit of a different life than the average prospect has had so far because of who his father is. Matt Holiday, it's not just that he was – look, he was an incredible, incredible hitter, unbelievable player for a long time, but revered. Un, in just the respect when you bring up Matt Holiday's name in baseball circles as a professional is – is overwhelming the way the reverence that is shown to him as not just a baseball player but as a person as a leader i um i was actually in like my, I, my connection to matt holiday is i was covering the 2007 nlcs when the diamondbacks were swept by the rockies and i was caught up because this was my first as a professional it was like my first experience being around playoff baseball like I had as a kid enjoyed it in Baltimore in 96 and 97 but I was 14 years old um as an adult feeling the other side of it, what it does for a community you know understanding the business impact of it all of those things I was swept up and I'm not even a Diamondbacks fan and I was swept up in it like it was insane for that city and it's not even really a a Diamondback city like they they like the Diamondbacks but they the Suns are what matters in Phoenix ironically like it's Suns one and everybody else afterwards and probably at this point Cardinals too at the time it wasn't necessarily the case because the Cardinals were moribund when I was there um but then you know Kurt Warner changed that and they, they became a relevant you know Larry Fitzgerald not sure if you heard of yeah. him they became quite a relevant franchise afterwards but in the moment they had not yet elevated to that point um but I was so caught up in it. And then Matt Holiday and the Rockies just demolished them. Just leveled them. And I remember how deflating it felt because like I went I was sent to Denver for games three and four. The games one and two were in Phoenix, they just got their asses kicked. And I was sent to Denver for games three and four. And I just remember being in the locker room because it was part of my job was also to do some stringing. And I remember being in the locker room afterwards and like feeling kind of dejected because I was so excited about like there was going to be we were going to we we're going to have a world series in Phoenix. I was going to get to be a part of it. Like I was I was only 25 at the time or whatever I was. Like I was it was 24 something like that. I it was it was very cool for me to be at the center of all of this. And I just remember like Matt Holiday seeing how dejected I appeared to be. Like he he could tell he was like, and I wasn't even, again, I wasn't a Diamondbacks fan. I just wanted it to continue. I wanted the ride to keep going. Right. And, like, he could see it on my face from the locker room. And I just, I, I remember, like, him saying, you all right? Or, I don't remember what the exact words were because it's, it's been a very, you gotta, it's been a very long time. Um, but I, I just had this really kind of neat interaction um, with Matt Holiday after the, I don't know, after, might have after game three of the uh, 2007 NLCS when uh, they were sweeping the Diamondbacks. Of course, they turned around, I believe, and got swept by the Red Sox in the World Series, if I remember correctly. All right, um, still to come this morning, we're going to talk some Ravens. Jeffrey Chidea, NFL Network, NFL.com. He's going to join us next. That's on the way. It's Glenn Clark Radio. (laughs) 
Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org. The biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common. You've heard them on Jobbing Out. Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. Thanks for having us, man. Appreciate it. The great Kurt Angle. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Matt Riddle. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. The champ, Drew McIntyre. Thank you for having me. The great Ron Simmons. Keith Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Le Champion. Chris Jericho. Le Champion. AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point Boulevard. The latest edition of PressBox is available now, and it's our very first Salute to Coaches issue. On the cover, we recognize Ravens coach John Harbaugh ahead of his 15th season. Also inside, find tributes to Navy football coach Ken Niamatololo, UMBC soccer coach Pete Karinji, Maryland soccer coach Sasho Sorovsky, and field hockey coach Missy Maharg, Mount St. Joe basketball coach Pat Clatchy, and poly basketball coach Kendall Peace. We also honor recently retired Johns Hopkins lacrosse coach Janine Tucker and Calvert Hall baseball coach Lou Eckerl, the athletes whose lives these coaches have impacted offering insights on what makes them special and why they've stood the test of time. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. To follow the show on Instagram, it's just Glenn Clark Radio. And to follow the show on OnlyFans, wait, I don't think you're supposed to know about that one. Any hoodle. Take it away, boys. All right, back in here on GCR. Thanks again to Jackson Holiday for spending some time with us this morning. Head of the MLB draft just coming up in just a couple of weeks where he might very well be the number one overall pick for the Baltimore Orioles. Um, you heard a, a spot in there for a Live Casino and Hotel, and, of course, we're getting ready for Simply the Bets. As I was looking ahead and talking about sort of the dearth of major events, one thing I do need to point out, there is a big UFC fight coming up next weekend. So not this coming weekend, but the following weekend, Saturday, July 2nd. Israel Adesanya in action. And every UFC pay-per-view you can both watch and bet on in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. So you're thinking about how you're going to spend your holiday weekend? I would start making plans now. For Saturday night, the 2nd, 
to involve you being in the FanDuel Sportsbook with those 61 self-service kiosks, all the great prop bets that are available during fights. For UFC 276, reserve your spot right now by emailing events at sportssocialmd.com. It's events at sportssocialmd.com and be there for UFC 276 to check out Israel Adesanya in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel on July 2nd. Switch gears, talk a little Ravens this morning. Uh, our next guest wrote an interesting piece last week uh, for NFL.com about sort of a reaction to some of the things that Willie Sneed had said in a podcast appearance recently and why what the Ravens are doing might specifically be kind of about not needing to pay Lots and lots of money for veteran wide receivers. Always appreciate appreciate Jeff Chidia taking some time for us here on GCR. Jeff, it's Glenn and Griffin here in Baltimore. It's great to chat with you, man. Thank you for joining us. Same here. Thanks for having me on, guys. The, you know, we're in an interesting spot, Jeff, because admittedly, I, I am nervous about where the Ravens are in trying in the context of trying to win a Super Bowl, right? Because I think yeah. there's a lot to like about this roster. I, As long as Lamar Jackson has made some strides against the Blitz, because clearly he's going to face more of that this season after what happened a year ago. Um, getting your running backs back, you know, a defense, the secondary looks to be outstanding once again. I, there's a lot to like. But you have 1,200-ish career receiving yards at the wide receiver position returning. And I can't – I know they're not going to throw the ball as much as other teams are, but I still know you're going to need to win a big game and wide receivers are going to have to make plays. I can't help, Jeff, but to be concerned, apprehensive, nervous about that potentially being the difference in whether or not this team can win a Super Bowl. See, I get it. And, look, I, I'm from Michigan, and I've watched Matthew Stafford play a lot of football games. And I can tell you the, the narrative when he went to the Rams was, was can he deliver in big moments. As talented of a passer he was, people just didn't know if he could do it. Um, the supporting cast he had in L.A. And he did it. And so I make that point to say that with the Ravens, you're not going to really know it's going to happen until it happens. But I'm a big believer that. I think a lot of times people kind of crap on their offense because it's not like Kansas City or it's not like Tampa Bay or it's not like Green Bay as far as the passing game and the way the quarterback throws the football. But they bought into this. And this is what they've, they've placed a huge bet on, you know, four years ago. And they made Lamar the starter and three years ago when they changed the offense to become what it is. And so what I've always uh, liked about the Ravens, they, they embrace that. And it's never going to be the kind of offense where you're going to have 100 catch wide receivers. It's going to be the kind of offense where you're relying on a quarterback to be a superstar and, and a team to rely on the defense to really be suffocating. And so they've had some tough breaks the last two or three years um, with injuries especially. Yep. But, but, but I also feel like when guys like Willie Steen and Marcus Brown are complaining, it's, it's really uh, – they knew what they were getting, and I don't think anybody is, is going to dog the Ravens offense because of too much, too much Lamar Jackson. Jeff, as you know, in most cities, one of the most uh, unlike people is the offensive coordinator. Um, oh, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's just the way that it goes. And we're certainly not unique here. In fact, I would say in Baltimore, we're almost on steroids over the years, our opinions about offensive coordinators. And what's interesting to me is what you just brought up. Like, the people that don't like Greg Roman will take Willie Sneed's comments and say, well, this is proof. This guy stinks. Whereas I'm like, we know this. Like, we yeah. we, we, we know what Willie Sneed is saying. We know. We know what the Ravens are doing. They're announcing it quite loudly. This is what we do. Yeah. 
And in that context, no one is better at it than Greg Roman. There is yeah. no one that does this because no one else really does it, frankly, better than Greg Roman does. So I, I what you're saying, I, I, I wholeheartedly agree with. I, nothing about what Willie Sneed says makes me say, oh, gee, gosh, golly, Willie's got a point. This guy's got a – like, we know what it is the Ravens are trying to do. I just feel like when you're doing that and you're trading away a Hollywood Brown, you, you need to have a backup plan. Maybe wait until after you've drafted your next wide receiver to, to yeah. make that move on Hollywood Brown, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I, I get it too. And, I, and I'm assuming Rashad Bateman and, and Ty Wallace and players like that are, are, are going to be their solution. Yep. Um, but, I mean, I think about it this way. I, I live in Kansas City, like I said. And I don't hear running backs complaining, you know what, they're not giving us enough touches. Right. <laughs> if they just right. a little bit more, we could have had a couple more championships here. But they got to let that guy for the football time. And so that, that's part of this. But the other part of it, too, is, like, I just don't think if you ask people if they went and got a Devontae Adams or they went and got a Stephon Diggs, like, that would change what this offense could become. I mean, ultimately – it's, uh, you know, I think Greg Roman has done a pretty good job. Look at the numbers, uh, the total yards, the points. They've been in the top 10 and top five in the NFL two of the last three years. You look at, I would think it's, it would be a different narrative about him had the Niners beaten the Ravens in that Super Bowl back in 2012 because they were within a, a touchdown pass having this offense prove that you could win with a similar type of quarterback mm. with Colin Kaepernick being that guy Interesting. You know, back then. Yeah. And, and so I, I, I just think a lot of people throw darts at him just because he doesn't have that Lombardi trophy. But, you know, it's it's easy to compare him to John Gruden or Sean Payton or the other guys, but they're playing a different kind of offense. Right. And I've always believed there's a lot of ways to win football games in the NFL. Ravens have proven that. They just haven't won the biggest game. Jeff Chidea, NFL Network, NFL.com, with us here on GCR. Jeff, by the way, that point is really well taken because, as you know, this is the biggest question. And, and when we separate the nonsense from what's a fair question, the fair question is, can you do this to win a Super Bowl? And, and it sounds like your point is, well, we know the answer is yes because, as you say, they were a play away from doing it once upon a time. They didn't. We don't know that they will win a Super Bowl, but we think there's enough evidence that exists that you can win a Super Bowl doing this. Yeah, and I would even say, if you look at the, the receivers on those Niners teams, it was Michael Crabtree and God, I can't remember the other guys. Right. Honestly, I mean, well, Randy, Randy Moss came back. Randy Moss at the very end of his career um, yeah. was, yeah, was hanging numbers, around. Yeah. yeah, but the numbers were not uh, 100 catches, 1,500 yards. No. They were doing a lot of the same stuff. And so, you know, it, there, there is a value in digging when other people are sagging in the NFL. And you've seen Bill Belichick really do a good job with this with the Patriots when they won their last championship, basically running the football to the playoffs and being a Rams and that Super Bowl down in Atlanta. But you know, I, I just don't see, and I applaud the Ravens for doing this, where they have to get to this game of like, we have to keep trying to find ways to throw the football better. In fact, I think they got away from what they did really well in 2019, the last couple of years, and trying to create that kind of sure. um, dynamic in, in their offense. Sure. And, and ultimately, I mean, just the way the receiver market is in today's world, you don't want to have to pay a quarterback a bunch of money and then have to go out and try to pay a receiver $25 million a year to make your offense work. I, I just think in a lot of ways your business model is more sensible because you're avoiding those kinds of pitfalls as you try to keep your success going. 
I, while I while I hear you, Jeff, I still look at what like you know Stefan Diggs did the moment he sh- arrived in Buffalo, and I'm like, yeah, g- give me that. <laughs> like, <laughs> I I saw what, the, and I know that part of it is that Josh Allen, Allen got better. I'm not trying to say that there wasn't another, but like my God, the year before Stefan Diggs was there versus the year he arrived, I oh, yeah. I, I don't know if we've ever seen a greater disparity between an offense oh, i'm like yeah. i don't know yeah. I, I i understand what it is that you're saying but jesus it's a it sounds to me like a good problem to have to have well, that type and, of player and I, I would say this if i'm lamar jackson i know he's got a lot of stuff going on with this negotiation yeah i'm gonna call i'm calling up josh allen and saying let's spend some time together and you show me what you did to go from being i would say even a lesser passer lamar jackson was yep at the start of his career to being a guy who's throwing completely 70% of his passes and being, you know, obviously a big playmaker with his arm and his legs because I know Josh a little bit and we talked about it for stories. And he spent a lot of time talking to guys like Ryan Fitzpatrick and uh, Tony Romo and, and trying to figure out what, what they were doing to make themselves better, and he applied that. And, and so I, I, I think Lamar Jackson can get to be a really good passer in this league. I don't see him being Tom Brady, Peyton Manning-esque, but certainly dangerous enough to, to do the kind of things you're talking about getting done in an offense. I just don't think you need to have a phenomenal wide receiver there to make that work because ultimately the way they play, you don't need somebody winning off the line of scrimmage and the top of the route and being a super crafty guy like a Cooper Cup. You need somebody who can be consistent catching the football and be available to you and, and make the plays that have to be made when Lamar had to throw the football. Jeff, the inexperience concerns me, but the depth actually maybe concerns me a little bit more. The Ravens have four wide receivers, and again, we're squinting to even say they have four, right? Like, they have four NFL wide receivers of any. And by the way, I I don't know about you, I love Rashad Bateman. I think Rashad Bateman, talent-wise, has all of the ability to be an incredibly high-level receiver in this league. There's there's so much to like about the young man. But then there's Devin Duvernay, James Prochet, and Tylon Wallace, who, again, were squinting to call them NFL wide receivers because they've never done anything. They might all be very good ones. But the, even if that's the case, there's four. They, like, they, you get, yeah. There are injuries that occur. We, as you just pointed out, we know that in Baltimore. They've derailed yeah. seasons here. Would you still be inclined to take a chance on a Julio Jones or a T.Y. Hilton or somebody who's still out there, if for no other reason than just because of sheer depth issues that you have at the position at this point? Uh, it's possible. I mean, those kind of players bring a different um, issue because you can guarantee their, their salaries once they're on the roster. Um, you know, once the season kicks off, so you're really kind of messing with your salary cap at the time where you're trying to figure out your quarterback's next contract. But I, I hear what you're saying, and, and it, I keep referencing Kansas City. They actually have four receivers here. Um, Juju Smith-Schuster, Mark Quinn, Aldez Scantling, Sky Moore, they drafted, and McCole Hardman. After that, it's pretty much a mixed bag. And so what they're talking about is the possibility of having four tight ends mm-hmm. and, and doing more stuff with that. I, yep. I, it would not surprise me if J.K. Dobbins, who was a really good receiver at Ohio State, ends up being that fifth option as a receiver in this offense. It's well, just, I, I think that they're looking to do more matchup stuff, more things that they did back in 2019. Another tight end might emerge with the Mark Andrews. But, you know, most offenses in this league, except for the, you know, the, the Bucks have got a couple of Pro Bowl receivers and Gronk and people like that, most, most, most offenses are relying on two guys to get it done. And Mark Andrews is one of those guys. Yep. 
So, I mean, so you the next guy you have, Rashad Bateman is the key player in this, as you mentioned. He's the guy who's going to have to step up and probably be a 70, 75 catch guy for this offense to continue playing at a high level. All right, before I let you go, Jeff, I know you also wrote recently about why you don't think that Lamar Jackson's contract situation is really that big of a deal. And, and to an extent, I, I kind of agree, but with the flip side being, I'm still confused by why we're here. And I, nobody's really been able to zero it in on me because we can keep saying, hey, if you're Lamar, wait it out, wait it out, you can make more. But at some point, he's signing up to play for $23 million this season. And that doesn't make sense. Like, I can't make that. You can get all of that same money in the future that we're talking about. Hey, if you get to the franchise tag, well, you can do a deal and get that type of money. And if the Ravens don't want to do that, you demand a trade to somebody who will because there's literally no quarterback in a few towns, like Seattle and Carolina, who have no quarterback whatsoever. I, I still can't figure out why we're here and why this thing isn't done at this point and how to make it make sense. Well, not having an agent is a big factor in that for me. And I don't know what it is about Ravens players, the big deal with Orlando Brown going through the same thing. He just got an agent, but for a long time they just weren't communicating. And so I imagine if you have an agent in place over the last couple of years, you're probably having more conversations about what this looks like and what we can do. And so you're getting to a place where you have those parameters and structures in place, and then you can just go ahead and make the deal happen. I say it's overrated because I don't see a universe – where Lamar Jackson isn't playing for the Ravens. And I don't see universe where the Ravens are saying, screw Lamar Jackson, we'll find somebody else to do it. Right. I think they, they, are, they are obviously married at the hip, merged, merged together um, at the hip. And the, the, the Ravens have gone all in with him as their quarterback. He understand, he loves being in Baltimore, and he's built a legacy there and won an MVP there. So I, I, I think it's hard for him to go someplace else and find the same kind of, of patience. I mean, what we're talking about here now. If he's in a different town, this conversation might be, hey, get Lamar Jackson out of here. <laughs> you know, if he can't get it done, get us a patch from my home. So right. there is support for him that that franchise has given him over the last few years that I think has been invaluable to his, to his growth. So for me, I, look, I, I think not having agents is a factor. I think the QB market blowing up the way it has is a factor. We're trying to figure out where he fits in this world, knowing the way he plays and, and the fact that he could possibly get hurt at some point. I look at it more like Cam Newton with the Carolina Panthers, that if you're able to get 10 years, eight, eight, nine, ten years to get that Lamar Jackson, that's a win for you. Well, and, Je- and Jeff, as we know, like Lamar's running style is nothing like – Cam Newton was running for contact. Like, yeah. he wanted yeah. it. Lamar's the exact opposite, and we've got all of the data in the world. Again, the one injury that Lamar Jackson has suffered was when he was in the pocket. Um, we yeah. got all the data in the world at this point. That there, there's nothing – that. This thing that we've held this belief that you're at more risk, the data says that's just not true. There's no greater risk for running quarterbacks, and particularly someone as elusive as Lamar Jackson who's not taking hits downfield. Oh, I agree with you. And in fact, I've joked with people that Patrick Mahomes has probably missed as many games as Lamar Jackson has in his career. Yeah. And they play yeah. different styles of football. Yeah. And so I just don't know financially where he fits. I don't think the top of the market guy – I don't think he should be making more than Aaron Rodgers, but Cleveland Browns gave Deshaun and, Watson and, and, 
tour and very main guarantee. But that's just all, and, and isn't that what it is now? Like I, I, I yeah. know, and I feel like in, you, you keep as you know, as we know, we're just down in Kansas City. Like when the Mahomes contract came out, I just remember everybody saying, "Well, that's only for Patrick Mahomes," and I'm like, "Why? What? Yeah. Why? Why <laughs> wouldn't the next guy ask for that? Like, what is the? Yeah. It's like people keep trying to tell me, "Well, you got to get the free agency in order to get leverage." I'm like, no, "Why? Why can you not use the Deshaun Watson contract and say?" I gotta get mine. Like, what is yeah. the reason? Yeah. And, and and I've done more. Right. Deshaun Watson has in this league. Yes. I have an MVP. And and I'm not Deshaun Watson. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I don't have like 23 women lining up against me. Right. I, I get it. And so that that I, I probably think is where some of the hurdles begin. Right. But ultimately, I mean, I, I just watch enough of these things happen to where, aside from Kirk Cousins who was a very borderline, it was a very unique situation when it comes to quarterback negotiations. It's just, it's just super unlikely that a, a franchise quarterback walks away because they can't get what he wants from the team. Ultimately, they figure it out. I, I, I hope, and I, I think you're right about it. I just don't. I, I'm so confused, Jeff. It just doesn't oh, yeah. make sense. I get it. But it's fun. Hey, it keeps our, keeps our job. Oh, it's, uh, by the, by, in a time of the year where there's not a lot to talk about, my man, we, uh, we don't mind doing more segments about it. At, yeah. at Jeffrey Chadia on Twitter, which is J-E-F-F-R-I-C-H-A-D-I-H-A. Um, is there anything specifically we can plug for you, sir? Uh, I'm on vacation. For, oh. for, for four, for well, four weeks, so well, thank you can plug you. the – I'll be in Turkey, Keiko, so plug that. Hey, man. Well, thank you for taking time away from your vacation for us. I really yeah, yeah, appreciate no. that, bro. No, I'm happy to do it. I love coming on with you guys, so happy to do it. Jeff, thanks as always, man. Uh, enjoy your trip, and, and hopefully as we get closer to football season, we'll be able to catch up again, all right? It's... Sounds great. Jeff Chidia, NFL Network, NFL.com, checking in with us here on GCR. Appreciate him doing that. Uh, there's controversy this morning. We mentioned earlier the news. There's big news in golf this morning. Brooks Kepka is headed to the Live Tour. Um, there's also uh, Nick Faldo uh, is going to retire as a broadcaster, and starting next year, Trevor Trevor Immelman, former Masters champion, will be CBS's lead golf analyst. Not quite the same cachet as Nick Faldo, of course, but um, apparently golf people all say he's done a, a good job as an analyst. So blessings be it's again not my concern but huge controversy related to Colin Morikawa as there's been a lot of narratives speaking of Grand Slam or or major champions there's been a lot of conjecture about him also departing the PGA Tour in favor of the Live Tour Colin Morikawa decided that he was going to set the record straight this morning state for the record once again you're all absolutely wrong. I've said it since February at Riviera, and I'm here to stay that I'm here to stay on the PGA Tour and nothing has changed. Okay. But then he throws in this line, which has gotten people really worked up. Now, if you'll excuse me, I've got some cereal to pour on my milk. So Colin Morikawa is coming out and announcing that he pours this the milk before the cereal in the morning. The hell is that? What kind of psychopath does that? Milk before cereal. Nonsense. What is that? I mean, some institutions should stand in this country. Some things should matter. We should. We used to be a decent place. Both golf promotions should probably just discontinue yes. any, any future working Suspend with them. Suspend him immediately. We used to have standards here. <laughs> 
What is that? What the hell is that? Who pours the milk before it is that? Now, I certainly have been there where I poured too much milk. And yeah, leftover milk. And then decided to pour some more cereal into it. First of all, it's been a long time since I've been a cereal guy. Unfortunately, uh, milk and I don't get along the way that we, which is weird because I'm big, as everybody knows, I'm a, major, I'm a cheese man. Uh, my, like my daddy was and my granddaddy before him. I'm a cheese man. But milk and ice cream in particular... Not great for me. So I tried for a little while with soy milk and almond milk, and they're all I'm I'm good with all of them. But at the end of the day, like I'm it my 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 love of cereal has dissipated with the struggles that I've had with milk over the years. But when I was a cereal man, and I was just talking about this the other day on the radio, I, I was like a cereal in the morning and then a bowl of cereal before bed at night type of cereal. I loved me some damn cereal. Any of them. What was your favorite cereal? Well, I mean, like it yeah. changes. When you're a child, it's 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 Lucky Charms. Oh, it's whatever okay. has the most marshmallows in it. It's big the, Frosted Flakes guy. I became a Frosted Flakes man as I grew up. I was a big Frosted Mini Wheat guy. I was a massive Frosted Mini Wheat fan. And you know what? Even in my early 20s, I really enjoyed Raisin Bran. You can make fun of me all you want and say it's an old man cereal. I enjoyed it a great deal. It Delicious is. cereal. <laughs> tasty, tasty cereal. Once your taste buds evolve past cereal being candy. Like, that's all. When you're a child, cereal is just a form of candy. That's all it is. And then you go a different route with it. And again, frosted mini wheats, certainly you get plenty of sugar with them. Um, but there's a nice mixture of textures there that are going on. Um, I even, I even kind of like cornflakes, if I'm being honest with you. I, 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 I did. I'm not going to lie about that. But milk, milk first in your cereal bowl? Got a lot of questions about this ombre. Got a lot of questions. All right, we got to fly through tidbit tubular. Uh, let's get a tidbit. Tidbit brought to you by the print issue of Pressbox, which is available right now. John Harbaugh's on the cover. As it's our salute to coaches issue. We recognize John Harbaugh on his 15th NFL season as a head coach. And inside, other coaches who have either recently surpassed or are approaching milestones like Navy football coach Kenny Amatololo and Maryland soccer coach Sasha Sorovsky, field hockey coach Missy Maharg, UMBC soccer coach uh, Pete Karinji, as well as Mount St. Joe basketball coach Pat Clatchy, poly basketball coach Kendall Peace, and then uh, a couple of coaches who recently retired, Johns Hopkins lacrosse coach Janine Tucker, Calvert Hall baseball coach Lou Eckerl, all honored inside with the players whose lives they've impacted being the ones telling those stories about why they're so significant. That issue, very special issue, available for free right now at your neighborhood Royal Farms, any of the hundreds of locations around town where you find PressBox. So read it all, PressBoxOnline.com. All right, so uh, interesting stat I saw yesterday. Uh, Yankees, they have five qualified starters with sub-3.35 ERAs. And Nestor Cortez, Jordan Montgomery, Jamison Tyone, Garrett Cole, who took a no-hitter no through the seventh inning yesterday, uh, and Luis Severino. And so... The last team to do that in a season, the 1968 Athletics. You name a single pitcher on that? Uh, uh, Catfish Hunter. Yeah, there you go. Catfish Hunter was one. And then, Vida Blue? Uh, no, he was no. after that. Blue, Blue yeah. Moon Odom? Oh, Blue, Blue Moon Odom. Yeah. I did not tell you. Don't I love that name. Yeah. But yeah, he, and, sure. uh, he was actually the only starter to have a winning record on that team to give you a sense of how Weird. poor yeah, that 68A's offense was. Reggie Jackson did hit 29 homers. But well, the only I, one I don't understand. They had Catfish Hunter and Reggie Jackson, and they sucked. Yeah, it doesn't really make sense. They went eighty-two and eighty. 
a 23 year old 23 year old Tony LaRusso also had three at bats for that team. Oh, how about that? All right, so but that leads me into my tit. Well, actually, it doesn't really lead me at all, but to keep you up to date on right, Catfish baseball Hunter pitched stats. pitched to a 3.35 ERA and 1.192 whip that season. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, so an effort to keep you up to date with Major League Baseball, I want to talk about uh, you know some of the hottest hitters of late, one of those being, uh, we mentioned how the Orioles playing better of late since Adley Rushman com- came up, but also Ryan Mountcastle turned it around a lot. He has 13 extra base hits in the month of June, and entering yesterday, that was second in all of baseball for the month of June. Um, so can sure. you tell me the five others who? Not a chance. Yes, not, you can. Yes, you not, can. That's so that's so random. Um, it's the hot, the hottest hitters right now. But the, I mean, sure, I'm super paying attention to the hottest hitters and all of. Who had a big night last night? Actually, passed passed Mountcastle. It'll be second now in the month. Uh, sure. Um, <laughs> Lord, I, 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 couple Padres. A couple Padres. Um. I mean, Manny got hurt. Yeah, so not Manny. Probably not Manny. Uh, Jake Cronenworth. Yeah, there you go. Cronenworth passed Mountcastle. Oh, really? A big night last night. Yeah, he's got 14. Mountcastle is 13 in the month of June. And then the leader has 15 extra base hits this month. 15 extra base hits. And it's also a Padre? It is also a Padre. It's not Fernando Tatis. I don't no. Know. Uh, I don't think it's Eric Hosmer. It is not. Luke Voigt. Yeah, there you go. Luke Voigt has 15. He had a very nice week last yeah, week. I did not know that. Yeah. He's been uh, hitting some home runs. Also an AL East player in there. Uh, AL East player. AL right. Central player. Okay. Uh, AL East, it's a Yankee? No, not a Yankee. It's a Blue Jay. It is a Blue Jay. It's a Blue Jay. It's Vladdy. Vladdy has 11, but he is not next. He's not fourth. It's, um, one more Blue Jay has one more it's hit. It's Teoscar Hernandez. Teoscar Hernandez he has, has 12 been, extra he has bases. Been hot recently. Yeah. Um, Two more guys have twelve. AL Central, you said. AL it's Central. A White Sox. No. It's a Twinkie. Mm-mm. It's a Guardian. Guardian of the Galaxy. I don't having know, a great season. Don't know who it is. Infielder. Infielder. Jose Ramirez. Jose Ramirez. Okay. He has a twelve base hit. I guess extra that makes base sense. And, and one more player is twelve extra base and hits. Where are they from? They are in the NL East. NL East. They're no, bro- no, no. They are the AL East. Don't yeah. forget AL East. Yeah. It's a Red Sox. Yes. It's a Red Sox. It's um, Bogarts. No. It's, all right, just tell me. It's still it is first. Schwarber. Kyle Schwarber. Oh, Kyle Schwarber. I was still in the Phillies. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's 12. Hottest hitters in baseball right now. Extra base hits in the month of June. I don't, I mean, I didn't know the, I gotta be honest with you. I did not know that Kyle Schwarber was a Red Sox. <laughs> I, I forget. I mean, he, I did not 13 know now in about, I, I guess months. I didn't know yeah. that, but I, it's, it's a whole different, no. Kyle Schwarber is back with the Phillies, right? Wait, he, yeah. he's he's blue on here. I don't know why he's blue, but Kyle Schwarber is definitely playing for the Phillies. The Phillies have a blue. Okay, yeah, he All is right. a Philly. He's a okay. Philly. All right, I, I'm an that idiot. Was embarrassing. <laughs> All right, now Kyle Schwarber. Now, now, uh, uh, tubular quickly. Orioles again open up a, a short series of the Nationals. As of my knowledge, they still have not announced who the starter is for tonight. Maybe somebody knows, and I just haven't seen it yet, but. To this point, it is not. Oh, they did. Yep, Jordan Lyles is good. Sorry. Sorry, strike it. Jordan Lyles is going to make the start. So Jordan Lyles tonight against Eric Fetty. Uh, the Orioles broadcast on Mass and the Nationals broadcast on Mass and 2. Thankfully, no longer a split broadcast team. MLB Network, Diamondbacks, Padres, 930. TBS, Giants, Braves at 7. 
College World Series this afternoon on ESPN, Notre Dame and Texas A&M at 2, and then tonight on ESPN 2, Auburn and Arkansas at 7. Tonight on ESPN, the NHL Awards at 7, and then 37 Words, which is a documentary about uh, the anniversary of Title IX, uh, is at 8 o'clock. Washington Mystics, L.A. Sparks, 10.30 on Monumental Network, NBA TV, Dallas Wings, Atlanta Dream at 7, Minnesota Lynx, Phoenix Mercury at 10, CBS Sports Network, Chicago Sky, Las Vegas Aces at 10, Fox Sports 1 for day one of the Westminster Dog Show. And you were saying there aren't a lot of big events anymore. It's tonight at 7.30, the USA Network, WWE NXT tonight at 8. Non-sports-wise, anything that stands out? It is a very dead night. There's a, an exclusively Elvis like little documentary at 10 sense. on the ABC. Movie comes out this week. Yeah. I, somebody did call me out for that. We were talking about how there weren't there weren't any movies. Yeah, I know. I, that's the, my fault. Well. The Elvis movie comes Elvis. out. America's Got Talent, Deadliest Catch. Uh, okay, so no. Yeah, no. Kim Kardashian's on The Tonight Show. With yeah, Jeremy. I'm good. GlennClarkRadio.com if you want to find any of that. Thanks today to Jackson Holiday. Thanks also to uh, Matt Kremnitzer as well as to Jeffrey Chidia. We'll get all of it up in the greatest hits section of the <laughs> That's better at glennclarkradio.com. Uh, tomorrow we're going to make our trip to Bowie. Zach Peak will join us. Uh, Drew, we'll talk about the U.S. Open with him, stuff and things on a Wednesday edition of the program. Thanks everybody at Pressbox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including Glory Days Grill. Um, Royal Farms, Charm City Match, Great Eights Memorabilia, FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, the Baltimore Orioles, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Griffin at Griffin underscore Bass. Thanks to Ryan at Ryan. Follow us, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Tuesday evening. Go Birds. Duke sucks. Ohio State sucks too. If you're with us on video, give us a minute. We'll be right back. If you're with us on audio, do nothing. Simply the Bets is next. And welcome into Simply the Bets. Glenn Clark, Griffin Bass with you. It's all brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland, where you should be for all the Stanley Cup Finals games. And as I mentioned during Glenn Clark Radio today, next Saturday night, Israel Adesanya in action, UFC 276. The spot to watch the fights is always the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino in Hotel as you can bet on their 61 self-service kiosks with lots of prop bets available on fight night. So make your reservation now. Get your table for you and your friends, the reclining chairs, in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel for UFC 276, one week from this Saturday night, July 2nd, for a big fight night. Well, we will chat with FanDuel Sportsbook assistant. Oh, no, now, sorry. GM, full-on GM, Leon Twyman. What's that? No, I'm gonna. We're gonna do that later. I'm teasing what's coming. Oh boy, Griffin's still new. I'm sorry. I'm teasing what's ahead in the show. Oh, okay. We're gonna chat later in the show with Leon Twyman, the general manager of the Fanduel. Griffin's so panicked. What? Why? Well, that's not who I called. I know, buddy. 
It's okay. I promise. Got this. Thank you. We'll do that later on. Right now, it's time for us to uh, find out the five L's of sports betting for the week. Let's head to Vegas. He is decidedly not Leon Twyman. He is our friend Aaron Oster from VEASAN, and he's with us right now here on Simply the Bets. What's going on, pal? How are you? Hey, I, I wish I was Leon Twyman right now. Yeah. Get, getting on the other side of the book could be really nice sometimes. Oh, yeah? You uh, you learned a thing or two a thing or two about that? I mean, you know, the book always wins, the right? Book, That's the what book, we say. Well, most of the time. Most of the time the book wins. It's true. Um, speaking of, but not always winning, kind of a rough week for you last week. Yeah, did, didn't have it. The uh, I, I was hoping that Aaron Wise would come through, and then he gagged it away uh, on Sunday. He came through for somebody. Came through for your boy. Because as there I said, go, top the, 40. I said top 30 was the number. I liked him top 30 because I could still get plus money at top 30. I got plus 135 at top 30 in the old T27. I've never been excited for someone to finish tied for 27th as much as I was Aaron Wise finishing tied for 27th. So just came in at plus 135 for me. I was excited about that. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, he was definitely a- appealing for a couple of days, but uh, not not meant to last in the U.S. Open, no. unfortunately. No. Uh, you also, uh, how dare you disparage Jordan Lyles? You missed on that Absolutely. one. Absolutely. And then I actually played this one with you because I liked it, and so I was bummed about it, uh, the, the over on Marcus Smart's points and rebounds. Yeah, those fouls early kind of killed that one. Yeah, that's a bummer. Uh, you know what, Bet? Uh, I've, I've had Griffin go back and, and take a look, and uh, he reminded me that one that you're still sitting on that you got to feel quite good about is uh, the um, <clears throat> Orioles under 61.5 wins. What is wrong with you, you a-hole? <laughs> The, the one that you said, oh, why I can't talk you off of that. Oh, I definitely was not going to talk you out of it. There's no doubt about that I wasn't going to talk you about it. They're going to be past that by August. What is wrong with you? Um, that's clearly, not, not clearly looking awful. not looking great for you. But you were right that you shouldn't be betting on uh, any warrior besides Steph Curry, as Steph Curry indeed ended up yeah. being MVP. And then, so, you know, if we're going back to some of those futures, that did did have a Celtics to win the Eastern Conference. Yeah, but but we already we already gave you credit for that. We already I don't think we you did. no I we don't go think you we did. go week by week to see if anything hit <laughs> on each particular week. We look back over the list and we see if something hit or failed. And so settle down over there, Chief. I'm feeling <laughs> I I was feeling really good about having hedged my uh, lightning bet after Game Two. I was like, I'm a smart man. And then after last know. night, I'm like, I don't know, maybe, maybe I, maybe I did that too quickly. Maybe I was a bit too quick on the trigger with that hedge, but we'll see. I still think the Avalanche win that series ultimately. Probably, I, though. I, I do think that the Lightning might win you four, but uh, they, I think they might very well. I just, I, and I get it. The Avalanche appear to have a goaltending problem on their hands, so we'll, yes. we'll see how that plays out. They're just so loaded that I, I, I don't know. I, they. Oh, oh bet, betting those games outside of betting the over, which is three and zero right now. Man, um, like it feels like every game is just kind of a crapshoot in that one. Let's get into this week's five L's. We're hoping they're not five losses, although a week ago they were awfully close to being yep. five losses. Um, we're trying to find some winners this week. A local, a long term, a long shot, a loser, and a lovable bet for the week. Let's begin locally, sir. What do you like this week? Um, you know, this is tricky for today's game. Obviously, we still, as far as I know, still don't know the Orioles pitcher. Not, that's not true. Jordan that? Jordan Lyles will again start. It he is had, Jordan he had, Lyles. He had a bit of a diarrhea situation or or yes. whatever it was, a stomach thing on Sunday, but uh, he apparently is good to go. They have announced that Jordan Lyles will be the starter. 
okay, so that makes my bet. Uh, I like it a little bit more because I was going to have to go through all this whole thing about the two different situations, whether it's Lyles or Wells or whoever. But that's even better. So FanDuel still does not have lines up yet for this game because of the uh, they, they didn't know who the pitcher was. A lot of other places did go ahead and put up lines. They put up uh, Orioles minus 135, Nationals plus 115 with a total of 9.5. The total is what I like in this game. Uh, Fetty, not a good pitcher. Uh, he's getting Shelly's given up at least three earned runs in each of his last four starts, just historically has not been great. And Jordan Lyles also not while he uh, didn't give up as many hits as I said he would last week, he still gave up a decent number of runs. I believe that this uh, is going to, you know, I know neither lineup is tremendous, but I do think that between the fact that the starters have tended to give up a decent number of runs and the Nationals have the fifth worst bullpen in baseball, I do think this number at least trickles over that uh, nine and a half. So give me over nine and a half in Nationals order. So if that number were to move at all based on who the pitcher is, do you, is there a, I like this number up to blank? I wouldn't take it past 10. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's what we need to know. All right. Uh, next, let's go uh, long term. Let's go with a futures bet that you like for the week. Well, you know, now that the NBA is over and, and kind of a lot of the daily sports other than baseball are winding down, I'm starting to really dive into the various future football markets, both in uh, college football and NFL. Um, and there's a win total in college football that I actually like. And it's one, I, I gave you one a few weeks ago on Utah that was a team I really liked. And I found a team I really hate this season. Mm. Um, that's the Colorado Buffaloes. They oh. weren't very good last year. They were 4-8 and eight last year. And they basically lost everybody from an offense that already wasn't very good. It's just a very messy team right now that's in flux. I feel like this is going to be a little bit of a lost year. Uh, this year as they start to build towards the future. And on top of that, they have a pretty tough schedule. They're three non-conference but games. But the number is three and a half. I understand that. they, But they could go 0-3 in non-conference play. They have a home game against TCU, road games against Air Force and Minnesota. It's very possible that they're going to be underdogs in all three of those games. And probably at best, they're going 1-2. and two. And you look at the their uh, conference schedule, and it's hard to find definitely hard to find th- four wins if they do go 0-3. It's even hard to find three wins. They're probably looking at a two-win Pac-12 season. And just because so because of the schedule, because of their team, I'm going under on three and a half on Colorado. Okay. All right. Um... I get it. I, I don't, I I'm not going to pretend like I know enough about Colorado football in order to be able to say anything about this. I can't possibly pretend that. It's just such a low number. I understand. The number is always, so there's small. There's always a bad team every year. I, I think Colorado I, might be one of those really bad teams. I hear you. All right, so let's go next to uh, your underdog. What's it's your long shot bet for the week that you love? Yeah, this one, uh, there are two that I like. One is another golf one that's a little bit of a lower number, and one is kind of a more traditional extreme long shot. I kind of doubt it comes through, but I think there could be value there. Um, So you know what? I'll just tell you both of them. I guess I'll make my official long shot play the one for the week. Um, That's in the Travelers. And uh, I actually like Davis Riley in the Travelers. Oh, definitely a golfer I'm familiar with. Definitely someone who I had heard of before this very moment. (laughs) 
Um, he's another guy who had a really good first two days in the U.S. Open, kind of fell apart on Saturday and Sunday, ended up finishing, I believe it was uh, 31st after a really rough Sunday. But like I said, he was in the top 15 after round two at Brookline, and that followed a stretch of six tournaments where he finished 13th, 4th, 13th, 9th, 5th, and 4th. Um, he's been really coming on strong. He actually is uh, in the, the Wills Altors mode, very good on the irons. And uh, is, I believe, a year younger than Zalatoris, but has followed a similar path to him. And I'm not going to give you the win, which is around 40 to 1. Yeah, I saw it's 36 to 1 for him to win at the moment. 36 to 1. I will give you plus 450 to finish in the top 10 at the Travelers. So the bad news for you is that number's gone down. Oh, no. It's plus 360 now. Okay, well, especially because of that, I, you know, still a little bit of a long shot because, as you said, you never heard of Davis Riley. Yeah. I'll give you give you the long shot, which is uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr. thirty five to one to win uh, AL MVP. Ooh, I like and that is, one. Yeah, and this is pretty much looking at look. Aaron Judge is the prohibitive favorite at this point. He's actually uh, minus yeah. one ten right now to an AL MVP, and for good reason. Look, if he stays healthy, if he get stays. Not on this pace, because he's not going to stay on this pace, but anywhere mildly close to this pace, he's going to run away with it. But if he gets injured, if something happens, well, then all of a sudden you're looking for a player to uh, come up with one here. And uh, I think Vlagerer Jr. has a really good profile for it. He started off the season pretty rough, but over the past month he's been hitting uh, over 300. He has 17 home runs right now, and the Blue Jays are actually a very, very good team. He fits a really, uh, he kind of fits a similar profile to Bryce Harper last year, who came out of, I'm not going to say nowhere because he's Bryce Harper, but odds wise came out of nowhere to uh, win the NL MVP in the last two months after injuries and uh, just kind of lack of team success took down a lot of the favorites. So, yeah, if you're looking for a guy beside there and judge, because, look, you're not betting minus 110 right now on a player to win AL MVP just because. Look, there's a chance that hurts. There's a chance anything could happen. So if you're looking for some value here, I think there's some value in uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr. at 35-1. to 1. Okay, I like that one. That's a legit long shot. I like that. All right, uh, Aaron Oster is with us from VEASAN out in Vegas. He's given out his five L's of sports betting for the week. Let's go to the one that you say, just don't. Whatever you do with your life, do everything anything else go stand in the sun for five hours and do nothing whatever you do don't make this bet what's your loser um i was having a little bit of trouble with this one because there's not you know the al mvp there's not there's not anything that's uh, wrapping up soon that i can say ah there's no value in here anymore um so i was just kind of looking through fanduel and I mentioned a couple of weeks ago when I uh, talked about the Browns that books aren't sure what to do with them. They aren't, you know, they, they've taken them down in some cases. And for the most part, they've taken it down. But when they leave up bets, and this is more of kind of an educational thing here, a lot of times books, if they don't know what to do with them, they're just going to leave up bets based on what they had pre-whatever the, the situation was. And in this case, the Browns are up at a market uh, at FanDuel, and the market makes absolutely no sense right now based on what we know, but they've just left it up because, well, they don't have to move it. And that's right now the Browns are minus 195 to win 10 games this season. Mm-hmm. Obviously makes no sense. And it's something that it, I just, you know, again, I'm using this to educate a little bit here. 
if there is no no market, so like if there's no yes, no market, there's no harm in putting 195 up and just hanging it there and letting it sit instead of taking it down. Because they don't mind taking minus 195. They don't mind taking your money. And since there's no other side, you know, they don't really have to move it at all. Um, you know, when, when the news officially comes out, they'll probably move it because there will be people who might want to bet it at a better number. But right now, no one's going to bet the yes anyways, so why not just hang the 195? So when in the future you're thinking about these things, whether it's, you know, just news comes out about a futures bet, just remember, they don't have to move it right away. They might move it eventually. Just kind of remember that. And whatever you do, don't play minus 195 to uh, for the Browns to win 10 games this season. For the record, because of the news, I, I hate doing this to you, man. <laughs> So I don't know if you saw the news this morning. The, yeah, I, I did see the news that just came out yeah. about most of the settle. I, I still don't like uh, and even un, even if. Uh, but un, unfortunately, they've taken the win total down. Oh, they finally did take it yeah, down this morning. They took it down related to. Um, okay, fine. The, well, the I'll, if you want morning. me to give uh, another loser out, wait. They they took the ten, specifically yeah. ten wins they, down. They, they just took the Browns down from their regular season. Oh, the, the Browns. They yes, the they Browns. they had taken the Browns down in most places. Yeah. But if you look at the FanDuel Sportsbook, if you look at the full NFL section, yeah, they have a bet which is simply. Uh, Oh, did they take the whole market down? Yeah, that's oh, what I'm saying. Like they literally. Oh have... no 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 no! Yeah, I, I still see it. Here. Where are you finding it? So in win totals to win ten plus regular season games, they have. A oh, market I see, I see, I see what you're saying. Yeah. All right, got yes. it. Got it. I okay. completely understand now. To win ten yeah. plus regular season games. Yeah, okay. that right. that market is one of the few that is still up. Yep, you're right. Is what I'm. You're saying. right. That is available. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just saw they had the Browns win total down. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, and for those that that don't know, so the the news this morning related to Sean Watson is that he has settled all but quote all but four unquote of the lawsuits that have been filed against him. Um, I don't know what that means for the other four. I don't know what that means for the NFL's decision, but there is movement. Is is I guess the point? He has settled all but four of the lawsuits that have been filed against him. So we'll see. And Lord knows at this point if there will be more lawsuits that will be coming because I don't want to talk more about it. Anyway, all right. Um, uh, Love, the one that you say, yes, make this bet no matter what. Make it. Uh, So for my love, I'm looking at the NBA draft, which shockingly is in two days considering that the NBA finals just started. I think that a lot of the books are maybe not caught unaware, but certainly aren't rushing to put up a ton of bets on this one. I think we're going to see more bets come out in the next 48 hours. I hope so, because it's somewhat limited right now. Um, but there are a few bets I like. I want to give one that's not my official play, but one I'm kind of intrigued by, which is uh, Benedict Mathurin at over six and a half at plus 124. I think we know five of these six, maybe not in order. Um, and I just don't know if Mathurin is going to be that sixth player. I know the Pistons and Pacers both could take him. I just feel like both of those teams might go with a player uh, with more upside. Plus, okay. I think that the Pistons might end up trading out uh, of the fifth pick for a player uh, team who wants Keegan Murray if he's there, or again, a, play, a team that really likes the upside of one of these other players in the top five. So I kind of like that at plus 124. That's not my official pick, though. Um, and this is an official pick I didn't have until this morning because the lines continue to shift in this market, and that's the number one overall pick. Yeah, there was a lot um, of movement on Chet Holmgren, huh? 
not Chet Holmgren. Oh, it's, I mean, uh, there is, ba- ba- there is movement it's, Pal- it's Palo who had the most movement. Yeah. yeah so sorry. as of two days ago, right. Palo was 20 to 1. Right. As of yesterday morning, he was 9 to 1, dropped to like 4 to 1 yesterday, and right now is sitting at, I believe, plus 205. It's probably moved even it's more. It's plus 230 at the moment. Plus 230. So I'm not buying into this. To me, this is kind of silly season when it comes to the NBA draft, especially when it's come up so quickly. It's people kind of just waking up out of, you know, they've been focusing on the games, you know, especially casual people, and they're saying, huh. Paolo is there at 20 to 1. We don't really have an official pick, you know, no one's saying, oh, the, the Magic definitely picking Jabari Smith. And so we're getting a little silly here and seeing these big numbers and betting it just because, you know, 20 to 1 is good value for a, a pick that's not 100% in yet. And it's dropped. And when people see it start to drop, that creates a chain effect where people continue to bet it, continue to bet it, continue to bet it. And that's where we get now. And on the other side, Jabari Smith, who is minus 200, minus 250, has dropped all the way down to minus 140. And finally, I think we're getting good value on the number one pick here. So I really like Jabari Smith at okay. minus 140 because I, I, think, I think he's the, when you're looking for what the number one pick is, upside, as well as, he has the upside and the floor. I think he's the uh, safest pick to make. I don't think Paolo has quite as much upside as he does, or Chet for that matter, even though Paolo probably is the most pro-ready right now. I think that this is just a lot of smoke. I think Jabari Smith goes number one like we have kind of all been uh, expecting. Uh, Jonathan Givnoy from ESPN said all executives expect it to be Jabari Smith. And at minus 140, I think there's really good value there because that's only 57% about uh, to make that, which I think there's a much higher chance that Jabari Smith. So yeah, Jabari Smith going number one at minus 140 is my love of the Very week. Very good. All right, sir. Remind everybody what's going on with VEASAN. Uh, of course, we have a lot of talk about the NBA draft this week on VEASAN. You should check that out. Check out all of our other podcasts, all of our shows, everything you can find on Masson and on the uh, Comcast Cindy app out there in Maryland. Check all of that out as we head into a little bit of the slower season of the sports schedule, but we have golf, NBA draft. We have everything you could possibly want as we go through this summer. Check that out on Beeson.com. Very good. At the Oster, at the A Oster, Jesus, at the, at the A Oster. Follow him on Twitter. We will talk to you next week. Thank you, sir. Hope everyone has their bets. It's Aaron Oster from Beeson out in Vegas checking in with us here on Simply the Bets. When we come back in, our buddy Leon Twyman, general manager of the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, he will join us next. You're listening or watching Simply the Bets, brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. Promise. Maybe. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org Are you ready, soccer fans? This summer, the English Premier League returns to Baltimore. Arsenal, 
Everton square off in the Charm City match July 16th under the lights at M&T Bank Stadium, home of the Baltimore Ravens. This is your only opportunity to take in a Premier League match this summer in the Mid-Atlantic region. Individual and group tickets are on sale at BaltimoreRavens.com. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Come in for Glory Burgers, Glory Wings. There's glory for everyone at Glory Days Grill. Enjoy our award-winning burgers, ribs, and wings. Or try our fresh salads, hand-cut salmon, or our scrumptious sandwiches. Yum! Come in for our daily specials every weekday, like $7.99 burgers on Mondays and $6.99 nachos on Thursdays. Dine in and let us serve you or order online at glorydaysgrill.com and take it home. Visit us at glorydaysgrill.com for a location near you Glory Days Grill, great food, good sports. The 2022 baseball season is in full swing, and the future is brighter than ever for your Baltimore Orioles. I'm Paul Valley, And I'm Zach Goodman. And together we bring you the bat around every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon with everything you need to know about the Orioles and baseball as a whole. From veterans like Cedric Mullins, Austin Hayes, and Ryan Mountcastle, to young stars like Adley Rutschman, Grayson Rodriguez, and D.L. Hall. We've got you covered for every game, every pitch, and every debut. You can watch us at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline and Facebook.com slash PressBox sports or you can listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio so join us live on the bat around every saturday from 10 a.m to noon right here at press box sports it's statistically proven that the show sounds better if you're not wearing pants like me right now you're listening to glenn clark radio all right, back in here. We're actually listening to Simply the Bets today, brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. And that's where we're headed next. Let's wander down to Hanover, where our friend, the general manager of the FanDuel Sportsbook, Mr. Leon Twyman, is standing by. Leon, what's going on, pal? Hey, how's it going, man? Everything is good on this end. Um, I <clears throat> tried telling everybody, Warriors to win, comboed with Steph Curry, averaging 25 points a game, made a lot more sense than voting him as or, or betting him as MVP odds wise. And if you listen to me, you probably feel very good about yourself, you silly geese. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Worked out well for me. All right, let's um. I, I always try to let's get some of the generic ones out of the way. Give me um the 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 bets that have come in this week. The most action that you've taken now that the finals are over? Now that we've moved past the finals, where is the action coming in? Uh, honestly, we've been getting a lot of, like, over the weekend, obviously we were getting hammered with some of the uh, the U.S. Open bets. Mm-hmm. Um, so bets are going there. We have some uh, just some random tennis bets overnight. But When you honestly, say random more... tennis bets, do you mean like any tennis bet is a random tennis bet at this point? Or are you like talking about... Like, you know, a, 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 a tournament that's not Wimbledon, people are betting big money on it. Yeah, usually just any type of match that's just going on yeah. um, randomly. Um, just people want action, man. Yep. They, they yep. don't care I, what it I is. I know that feeling big time. <laughs> Again, <laughs> you're talking to a man who's bet. I've bet Ukrainian ping pong, so I understand. <laughs> I understand we have people right feeling. now requesting uh, esports, which is obviously not uh, legal in Maryland right now, but 
Uh, we've been having people request that because they're just wanting action, like I said, on anything they can get their hands on. Uh, and look, you act like there's not snooker event, uh, bets that are totally available to you right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook. <laughs> you can go bet the Snooker UK Championship. And i got to be honest with you, I'm loving Ronnie O'Sullivan at plus 470, Leon. That's that's the one that I like. Um, let's talk about, like, and I mean to do this every weekend, so I've been putting you on the spot. I'd love to know who had... Like as far as the book is concerned, did you did you have a a clear winner or a clear loser for you guys during the course of the finals? Uh yeah, we did. Um, you know, in the very beginning, it was it was more towards uh, Boston. Yeah, and throughout the whole series, people were still cheering for Boston, but we had majority of the bets on Warriors. Um, but we still ended up making money which is great it's always a good thing for the book um but then again i also like seeing people win um but we did have a lot of people cash out right after the finals uh for the warriors so we did see a lot of bets come in um for those warriors and they then not only did they win they covered the spread too in the series which is i think yeah. something that a lot of people did not see coming after the celtics went up 2-1 was them turning around and winning three straight all right, so um, Stanley Cup Finals, of course, going on right now, and lots of prop bets available for that. Um, are, do you see, like, again, with people just desperate for action, do you see people coming in that maybe weren't necessarily hockey fans, but because it's what's going on, hell yeah, let me load up. I'm, I'm, I'm betting the Stanley Cup Finals right now. You know, I haven't seen anybody really load up on, on the Stanley Cup Finals. Um, it, it's right now we're – we're mainly seeing a lot of either like like pretty much future bets. Okay. Um, people are betting some of the um, the you know baseball futures, uh, NFL futures. So that's what we're really seeing right now are more future um, based bets right now. What do you make? Like I'm just going to ask you this um, generically. All right. So there's um, of course an event this week, the NBA draft, and. I would think that the best place to watch and bet on the NBA draft would be the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino uh, and Hotel. And, of course, you can reserve your spot by emailing events at sportssocialmd.com. So a couple of days ago, the odds to be the number one pick were pretty astronomical for Paolo Banchero of Duke. That's changed dramatically in the last four hours. And, in fact, even this morning... Paolo's gone from being the third favorite to the second favorite. Like, we were talking about a guy that was as far away, and I'm not sure exactly how drastically far away he was with you guys, but I know a lot of places he was 20 to 1 or worse within the week. And wow. now <laughs> he's plus 195 and the second favorite behind Jabari Smith. What do you make of it? When you see something like that, is your immediate assumption someone knows something? Or is your immediate assumption more like, Boy, this could be crazy money that's being thrown just by a guess. That's that's usually what I think immediately is like, all right, someone's throwing a ridiculous amount of money on him right now, and they're wanting to change some of these lines. So you're not well, you're not immediately convinced that someone knows something, and that's why the number's gone crazy. Yeah, you know, I always. That's always a thought, but that's usually not my first thought. <laughs> okay, okay. I mean, like, this is the weird part about so, like clearly somebody knows, right? Like there's exactly. somebody sitting to, or somebody knows who's going to be the number one overall pick tomorrow night. 
So they yeah. would have the ability to sort of say to their friends, like, hey, you know, you might want to go throw a couple bucks this way. And I'm not suggesting that's the way this works. And I know that there are laws that prevent these types of things from happening. And there are rules that exist within uh, sports books like the FanDuel Sportsbook. But for the dumb guys like me that see something like this, I'm I'm the mark, right? Because immediately <laughs> I'm like, oh, they told some Somebody told somebody. Somebody knows. I got to race and get on that. Whereas my friend Aaron Oster from Mountain Vison is like, yeah, this doesn't actually smell right right now. Like, this doesn't – I don't think it's smart for you to do this. I actually think that it's providing some value on Jabari Smith, who we've all assumed was going to be the number one pick, and now is down as low as minus 140, despite the fact that there's no reason to think that he won't be the number one pick in the draft. Right. <laughs> I don't know what to make of it, man. I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. Yeah, you know, I, I kind of agree. It's, it's kind of weird. Smell, smells a little weird. <laughs> There's a lot of props, however, available for the NBA draft on Thursday. Yes, there are a lot of props available. Um, obviously, you can bet overall winner. Um, can do um, you know, number two to five. You can do top ten. Um, you can do like basically um, like draft position, whether it's like over or under. Let's for example, seven and a half. Uh, for for Dyson Daniels mm-hmm. will be his da- his draft position. So you bet that he will get drafted over number seven. I mean, you got some plus money there. I we were just talking a minute ago about Benedict Matherin from Arizona, and I was like, yes, I don't know if he's a top six pick. I kind of like the over on six and a half there. I kind of think there might be a couple of dollars to be made when it comes to him. I just I feel like there are players that are more exciting the teams are going to end up choosing they want with those top six picks. So we'll see. I kind of like that particular prop. Um, anything else that's really on your radar this week? Again, Leon, we are, we're all dealing with the same thing. It's tough to be in the sports business in a week like this because it's basically like you got to really <laughs> love regular season baseball because that's what we got going on. And, again, the Stanley Cup Finals. you got to be into one of those two things because that's what we got at the moment. Yeah, you know, it's like I said, you know, we don't really – we're not getting a lot of – action on anything in particular it's usually a lot of futures and of course we have people that want to that want to have those lottery pick parlays that come in and put you know a 12 team parlay in for mlb just to try to hit that lottery hit Uh, but nothing nothing is really standing out right now what's the biggest one that you've ever seen cash what's the most legs of a parlay that you've ever seen cash in your life leon like 15. <laughs> okay, but that's, I mean, my God. Like, even if they were all favorites, imagine hitting a 15-leg parlay. Holy crap. Yeah, yeah, like. it's pretty crazy. We had, um, we had someone uh, in the very beginning of the opening of the sports book cash out for a little over half a million dollars from Jeez. three separate tickets, um, no more than 120 bucks total. I mean... Look, still, still. I, by the way, there there are weeks in college football where I think it's the way that I should go. But like, just take big favorites to win outright, parlay them all together, and take my money. Like, there are weeks in college football <laughs> season where there might that might end up playing out. And then, of course, Appalachian State beats Michigan, and I burn my house. Like, that's the way that that goes. Um, I know everybody's starting to look ahead. You know, two things looking ahead. One, next, not this coming Saturday, but the following Saturday night is the next UFC fight. UFC right. 276 with Israel Adesanya. So you want to reserve your spot for that. And then I'm starting to think about, uh, Leon, I was painting this picture yesterday. Trying to schedule you and your league to hold your fantasy draft in 
the FanDuel Sportsbook, Labor Day weekend, that first week, that first full weekend of college football season, that to me smells like just deliciousness. Like yeah. imagine sitting around betting college football the first big weekend of the year. I know there's week zero and there's a handful of games in week zero, but that Labor Day Saturday, all sorts, I, like Ohio State, Notre Dame, there's huge games that weekend. While you're doing your own fantasy draft with you and the guys in your league, that just sounds like the most perfect way to spend Labor Day weekend to me. I agree. I agree. There's no other place that you want to be at but here at the FanDuel Sportsbook. So you got to reserve your spot by emailing events at sportssocialmd.com. That's the way, the way to go about doing it. Leon Twyman, always appreciate you, my pal. We'll talk again next Tuesday, all right? Yes, sir. See you then. Thank you. It's Leon Twyman, general manager of the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Appreciate him taking the time for us this week as always. Again, can't think. Imagine. Imagine. That's how you spend your Labor Day Saturday. Hanging out with the boys. The girls. I don't know who it is you draft with. Watching college football. Betting all the college football games. And doing your fantasy football draft. Just awesome. E- email events at sportssocialnd.com right now and uh, try to get something arranged or reserve your spot for UFC 276. Griffin, you got a tidbit for us? I do. I do. Um, Let's see. Hold on, let me pull up my page here. So I, I mentioned a couple weeks ago there was a better uh, three-leg parlay with uh, that they placed in October where they had the Braves to win the World Series. Rams to win the Super Bowl and the Warriors to win the finals. That's right. So that so cashed that out. Yeah, yeah, they put it was a hundred dollar free bet and they won twenty two uh point five thousand dollars. Jesus Christ. Must be nice. Yeah. Must, must be, be nice. nice. Must be nice. Uh there was also another three leg parlay that someone put together for game six. Okay. And they took uh it was it was like a three point like t- made threes parlay. So okay. they had Al Horford to make three threes. Came alive in that third quarter. He did. Andrew Wiggins to make four threes. I don't remember. I, I had forgotten. Did he really? Yeah, he did. In games, he didn't even. That was a very quiet yeah. effort. And then Draymond Green to make two threes. Two threes. Okay, now that is a reckless yeah. bet. So, the, so even, it was 600 to one. Yeah, it would uh, have to be. And they put 50 bucks on it, and they turned that 50 into $30,000. It's a nice little way I spent. My God. I mean, it's such a random parlay to bet, though. Like, this, this is. I, I like betting, I just can't fathom. And I know somebody would say, that's 50 bucks. It's not the end of the world. But it's still 50 bucks. <laughs> I mean, Draymond, Draymond, there was no reason for Draymond 100%. to make two threes. I, I, and it makes me assume that you're just playing a ton of different parlays. Like, like right. that guy maybe played $5,000 worth of different parlays, and that's just the one that happened to hit or something Yeah, like there was that. another one. Someone put $100 on the method of first basket for game six. Yeah. Al Horford made a free throw, and they hit. They put 100 bucks on that. Specifically on Al yeah, Horford, Al Horford to make a free, a free throw. throw. And what was that paying out? That paid out $13,000 on a $100 bet. It's wild, man. That is that is wild. One All more right. fun one. A uh, five-leg yes. parlay was from game five of the NBA Finals. Uh-huh. So last Monday, they had like Robert Williams rebounds, Jordan Poole threes, Tatum threes, Gary Payton points, and then the Warriors to win the game. And then they added Matthew Fitzpatrick to win the U.S. Open at plus twenty five hundred. Sure, why not? So it made it at a thousand to one parlay. Uh, so they had to sweat it out all weekend, but they put fifteen bucks on it and uh, made fifteen grand. Wild. That is wild, dog. That is wild. All right, good stuff. Uh, thanks to Leon Twyman. Thanks to Aaron Oster. Um, and thanks to Griffin. 
course, we will not have Weekend at Bookies this week. That will be back next Thursday. So we will be back for the next Simply the Bets next Tuesday morning around 1140. Let's be honest, more like 1145, 1150. Let's stop lying to people. That's about when we'll do it. In the meantime, always a great day to be, even when even when you say, hey, there's not a lot of huge events going on, just betting the baseball slate, just getting down Looking at the slate of games, watching the games there, and getting bets in. There's nowhere better to be than the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. And Live Casino Hotel continues to celebrate their 10th anniversary with a lot of tremendous giveaways. I've been reading about some of the things they've been doing. Not They're doing an event for like employees as part of this 10th anniversary celebration where they're doing like a supermarket sweep type of thing. They're just taking 100 employees over to the Sam's Club and saying, everything you can get in your carts, it's on us. Like cool. The Cordish Company is doing so much to celebrate their 10th anniversary. It's always a great time to be at Live Casino and Hotel and the FanDuel Sportsbook um, for anything, whether it be a major event or not. All right. Um, we will see you next Tuesday for the next Simply the Bets. May the odds be ever in your favor.